0: No guitar is safe. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 19 of No Guitar Is Safe. I am your host, Jude Gold, and if you know anything about this show, you know that I am about to plug in with a great guitar player, as I have on the previous 18 episodes. Today, wow, today we get to plug in with the great Nick Maybury. Man, that's a cool jam, right? I wish I could play the whole song, but I can't because, you know, it's a sneak preview. Nick generously sent me that sound file so you could hear an exclusive glimpse into his forthcoming solo album. It's not even finished yet, but he wanted you to get a chance to check that out. Thank you, Nick. Let's listen to a little bit more of that song called Humanoid.
1: You like the smell of a burning car.
0: Okay, Nick, you're having illegal amounts of fun. Can't wait for the rest of the album. But the thing about Nick is he's also known, and rightly so, as a very in-demand hired gun guitarist. Session guitarist, touring guitarist, Nick has been working since he moved here from Australia not too many years ago. Still, like, in his early 30s, he's played with so many great artists. Michelle Branch, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction... Right now, he's working with uh, Cody Simpson. Cody is this killer young singer who plays guitar. I mean, the cool thing about him is not just that you can hear the teenage girls screaming from 10 miles away when he takes the stage, but the fact that when he takes the stage, he's holding a Fender Strat playing some blues licks, and Nick gets to trade licks with him. In fact, we caught up with Nick for this interview kind of late at night after a Cody Simpson rehearsal, and... The next morning, Nick had to go to South America for a big festival gig on the coast of Chile with Cody, so we thank Nick for that as well. And on a more somber note, of course, Nick, amongst his many distinctions, will always be the final lead guitarist for Scott Weiland. Nick joined up with Scott, you know, Scott famous singer from Stone Temple Pilots and Velvet Revolver. Nick joined his band Scott Wyland and the Wildabouts in April of 2015 after Scott's guitar player, Jeremy Brown. He plays a lot of nice stuff on the Blaster record by the Wildabouts. After Jeremy died, apparently of, um, I guess you would say, substance intoxication or some kind of combination of that and underlying health problems, very similar to the fate that Scott Weiland himself would endure on December 3rd. The whole band was with him. Nick was with him that day. You'll find out all about it in this interview but they were on the road in Minnesota and it's just a a nightmare that you would never want to experience I think Scott was quite lucky as is any band that would have Nick in the band that he he had Nick in the band quite lucky for that because all boats rise when Nick is in your band I think so let's get the show rolling by the way what you're hearing right now is some Pluto this is Nick's other band so cool you want to get this record, you should check out uh, Pluto on YouTube, P-L-U-U-T-O, that's right, it has two U's, Pluto, misspelled. If you want to keep up with Nick online, I recommend following his Twitter feed, at Nick Mabry, N-I-C-K-M-A-Y-B-U-R-Y, or on Instagram, at Nick Mabies, just Nick with the word maybe, and then S. You got it. So we're gonna head over to Nick's crazy lab. This room is so cool, man. Just packed with guitars and vintage amps. All kinds of crazy posters and pictures on the walls. And it's in one of these crazy buildings where there's like, you know, 30 other studios. And it's in the middle of Hollywood. We're gonna take the copter over to Hollywood and Vine and go up two flights of stairs. I apologize for the drummer who's uh, practicing different parts of this interview he's like right through the wall it's not that bad but you know you're gonna hear it probably in a couple places again thank you nick for meeting with us the first thing you're gonna hear is us kind of jamming on a cody simpson song called thoughtful we're just noodling around thanks nick for meeting with us all right let's go
2: Fun like African like Kendrick C, Jack Johnsony fun music. It's just yeah, great. I love Good that. sunny vibes. I love it. It's, it's cool. fun. All rhythm, mostly rhythm. And oh. he'd be like, "Okay, Nick, now do a solo. Play me a country. Solo. Play me like a rock uh, surf solo, or like a play me an Elvis solo, or something. Just like a. That's just Cody's little like, um, fun little like little licky thing that he 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 does. He's got that. Um, well, he's he's, he's a young. He's off the younger generation, so he's uh very. They're all influenced by that um, that John Mayer trio record so all that right. hand- all that Hendrixy kind of stuff that you're hearing is um you know they've
0: heard it through John Mayer <laughs> let's take a listen now just for kicks yeah just to hear what the actual studio version sounds like acoustic acoustic yeah it's acoustic yeah
2: electric life live. It's a lot more acoustic on the, on his um, studio record, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, it's like he'll just... I, I kind of just... He just plays. I just play around him, you know? I just kind of just play behind him and just make just, just support him and just make him feel good. That's it's great. As much to. as possible.
1: She'll be all you need when got everything in
0: well, he seems, like, really relaxed compared... I mean, because we we're talking about a guy who's got that kind of teen appeal. Like, he's got, a, you know, he definitely, I mean... Like that one tune, Home to Mom or something. Yeah, What's Home Tomorrow, yeah. It's got like 64 million hits on Spotify. It's got yeah. kind of some crazy numbers we're talking about. Yeah. But he's a guitar player and it's loose and he's
2: jamming and yeah. he's
0: playing blues licks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a cool thing you've got going on here.
2: Well, and the cool thing about it is like, um, like we went to Japan last year and um, we really got a chance to kind of bond and hang out more. And. Um, he's like, hey, you want to play guitar? Like, you know, we're, we're, like in our downtime, we're sitting there trading licks and like, he's like, teach me this lick and teach me that and stuff like that. You know, I'm like, yeah, I love this kid. <laughs> this kid's rad. <laughs> so yeah, no, so um, totally, man, yeah.
0: That is cool. It's just so cool to see guitars in the hands yeah. of, uh, I mean, like I said, you know more about him obviously, than I do, but yeah. this guy seems to have mainstream appeal. He does, Cody. he does. And um, He's like playing a strat. You're playing a strat. I'm almost thinking that the strats are kind of making a comeback, and it's very close to my heart because yep. I grew up playing the strat. Yeah, I'm seeing them around town. Yeah, people are playing them. I saw two strats in a row the other night at, at school night,
2: right around the corner. Yeah, man, the strat. I mean, you know what? It's funny because I've never, I've never played a strat ever my whole life. I mean, the first guitar I ever had was a Samick copy, and I played the shit out of it. And I even broke the headstock on it and I fixed it in woodwork. It was high school. And that's how much, that's how involved I was with this guitar. It was just a Samick, like a hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. But, so, but, and, and after that, I didn't really touch the Strat again. Because um, I worked in a guitar store in Sydney, Neil's Guitars and Amps, which was a vintage and used store. And... Um, I got to play the best L series Strats in the like late 60s Strats, so I, I was spoiled so I was like, oh, I could never play a Strat now I could never afford a real Strat <laughs> so I just didn't play them for like ten years so now so I'm, so fortunately last year on the road with uh, with Scott Whalen in the Wildabouts, um, um, he had a, he had a console tech which is for those who're not sure what that is it's a, a technician working on the on the desk and then a recording studio and um he was at our rehearsal and, and um, he was like, Hey man, pull me aside after the rehearsal. Was like, I've got this strat you should check out. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right, another strat. <laughs> and then, and he's like, No, no, And he sends me pictures. I was like, Oh. So I see the big headstock and I see the four bolt neck. I see the collar and I see the um, rosewood f- fingerboard and I see the stagger pole pickups. I'm going, Oh, okay. What's this? So it turns out to be a 71 strat. And the guy just wanted to get rid of it. He just like, ah, I don't play it. You, oh, you should have it. I want you to have it. And he just gave us a really good deal on it. and I, I bought it, and, um, and, I, and, the, and so it's been like my one of my favorite guitars since. So it's, I haven't even had it for a year. But um, yeah, original seventy one pickups on the neck in the middle, and then the, uh, an uh, an eighties 80s, early eighties uh, Fender Lap Slide in the bridge, which has got a cool kind of more honky honky sound. <laughs> This is a special one. This one's got a, this one's got a vibe. So I've always just want to find a guitar that's got a vibe. <clears throat>
0: Absolutely, yeah. just the right amount of dings on it, but it's still very clean, yeah. which is nice.
2: And I love the faded kind of yellow here and stuff. And it actually, you know, working coming from that vintage world, like um, it actually had a Floyd. <laughs> I hate to admit this, but it actually had a Floyd Rose in it beforehand. <laughs> and I took. Oh. So I took it to Makoto, who's my f- one of my favorite guys to work on guitars in LA. He's over at Lon Cohen Studio Rentals, and um, he totally did it. He just, he just went, I, knew, I knew it was a big ask, and I was like, "Could you do it?" He's like, "I can do it." I knew he didn't want to do it. <laughs> I was like, "He did it." He did such a great job, and so that, he
0: like filled in a couple.
2: So he had to like re. He had to re. Uh, he had to like reset the bridge and everything, and like did such a, such a great job. Kodos, yeah, I didn't notice. Yeah, you looks, would never know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I had no idea. I would never tell anyone, but you know why well, not? It's a cool <laughs> story. So he made it. He made it so cool. But anyway, anyway. yeah So um, that's the Strat. So I, for some reason, I just can't put it down. I just keep playing it. So you know, and even my girlfriend likes it. Oh, really? I, <laughs> I, I was had her in. Like, I had her in here a few weeks ago. Which, which guitar do you like? Because she's not a guitar player. She goes. She And she's playing them. She plays a little bit. She goes, I like this one. (laughs) She she gravitated more towards this than all of them. So I was like, that's interesting.
0: Strats are pretty comfortable. They have the curves. Yeah. So this weekend, I I was thinking, man, I'm going all the way to Tennessee to play one gig and back. It's like two nights, one off. But you got me beat. You're going to (laughs) Chile. (laughs) Santiago... For Bowlzilla.
2: Bowlzilla, that's right, yeah. Cody's, Cody Simpson. Cody's playing, I think he's headlining it over there, and um, with like Tony Hawk and um, Capital Cities are playing, and um, uh this USEC band, and um, yeah. It's, it's Oh, and like I think a punk band, I think Strong Out's playing, or something like that. So it's kind of like, you know, skater, skater music, the happy summer vibe.
0: It's awesome, man. Yeah. I keep forgetting it's summer down there. Yeah, yeah it's going to be off the hook. I know that's here. Yeah, I guess they have a lot of skate bowls down there.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be I think they're gonna have like a whole like um, like scene set up down there, like guys skating and stuff. So, yeah, it'd be cool.
0: For kicks, though, I wanted you, before we go any further, tell me about this amp because I want one just like okay, that.
1: cool.
2: So, so, it's the Marshall Handwired Series 2061X. And what it is, it's a JMP style amp, the super bass and a super lead in one. And the super bass is on the right side and the super lead's on the left. And it's just got a, a volume and a tone. Very simple. But the cool thing is it's actually got a lot of sounds. If you crank it all the way up on the volume situation, you've got you got your foot, you got your gain. The tone knob, the tone pot actually acts as as like an extra gain thing as well. So if you dime the the, the treble up, you get extra gain, more treble and it just sounds clearer. But the cool thing about it is that I've been patching the bass channel into the the, the super lead channel so you can get that bottom end Hendrix thing. Yeah. And um the Marshall has that bottom end kind of like like that bottom end kind of like support and, and support like when you're getting really trebly it still has a lot of weight to it I feel yeah. whereas the vox and the, and the fender can get, a little bit br- can get a little bit more brittle in those kind of situations especially when you're doing like wild feedback or whatever or something like a bit more like, like out of the box the Marshall kind of has that big body, bigger body to it. I feel sometimes that you well, need, that you kind of, you kind of want. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so it's so it's a super bass and a super lead in one, and it's twenty watts. It sounds great, and it's it's not too loud, and it's, and I've got it going through this this old sixty eight uh, basket weave cabinet, which I got in downtown LA, which it has reissued greenbacks in it, but they sound great. Can you and hear a little bit of that? Yeah. So that's just the clean sound, you know, just straight yeah. in. I mean, that's quite conservative for like tone wise like. Yeah. but
0: yeah. Yeah. Really nice clean tone. Twenty watts does not mean that it's not gonna take your head off, so it can really be loud. I mean
2: it, it actually gets pretty it still gets louder. Yeah. yeah. Um this is everything in kind of midway so like so that's kind of like a bit clean, but if you want to get a bit dirtier, just turn it off. Just dime it. So that's, <laughs> right. one, that's dime. with the tr- with the tone knob still yeah. midway. That there's that Hendrix sound. So that's that cool sound. And then, if you want more, I mean, that's 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 getting pretty drivey. If you want more, you can you just turn the tone knobs all the way up. You just turn everything up, and you've got the full
1: the full game.
2: So it's even more like Hendrix now. You know that kind of thing. And then, like um, on the bridge pickup, here's the crank sound, like more like an ACDC. <laughs> and that's just like cranky kind of Marshall like in a strat you know it's just it's great it's not too loud like it seems to be just like the, the right amount of brightness and the right amount of you know bass and everything and everything and right there you
1: get there. even more out yeah. of it That sounds great. I
0: love it. I love that. Uh, can you show me a little more of that sus- the Hendrixy sustain stuff you're getting to, the feedback-y shit?
2: So like, um, pardon me for the volume. It's it's almost not loud
1: enough. It needs more. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really does have a Hendrix vibe you got going there, man. And I know that if you're on stage and there wasn't all the stuff in the way and you're really massaging the amp, it would be even crazier. Oh,
2: yeah, you can really get it going. It's so cool. So, um, oh, there, this yeah. is cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you're killing fun. it man you got the that's the sound
2: <laughs> you got tons of fun with it that's, the, that's kind of the sound it's a little it's maybe a little bit um brittle right now it's something I don't
1: that's pretty cool
0: and you're using the deja vibe there it's nice you can uh
2: channeling it <laughs> i that's, can do it better than that but i just you know
0: just no I, actually no, i don't feel so fantastic. on the spot with you i feel comfortable that's good oh that, no it sounds great and i mean uh, just to be able to go from sitting here and talking about this or that and all these other things and just hop into hendrix just like <laughs> you're pro man <laughs>
2: <laughs> um conjuring up different personalities oh my god anyway so um yes yeah, so i mean you can get you know it's got three fundamental like sounds you know the, 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 just a quiet tone like a more of a fender breakup sound and then, then the driven like Marshall sound you stick a pedal in front of that and you, got, you know like a fuzz pedal you got Hendrix you know, <laughs> and a wah pretty sick um, there's something cool I want to talk about um, with the Hendrix thing and the, and the pedals there's a thing I'm almost p- positive that I've discovered this I mean, I'm sure people, other people have obviously discovered this, but I don't see m- anyone really doing it. And I never really saw Stevie Ray Vaughan doing it. But when Jimmy's doing Voodoo Child, when he does that bend in the first, before the first verse, it turns out, wow, I like i Like, so, I was always thinking. How is he doing that? Now it, now it, now it, now it, now it, now it. Sound and I was like, what is that?
0: He's turning it on and off. He's like I turn the
2: wire on and off. That's what it is. And I was like, I've never heard it. Any see anyone do it, or I've heard it Anyone do it. <laughs> So that's. I just wanted to show that because I knew that was th- that was something different.
0: That's very cool, man. Because when you were doing that at first, I didn't realize you were turning the Wawa pedal on and off in the middle of that. It looks like you're patting your foot. Your foot's going up and down.
2: <laughs> and my wah kind of died on me a little bit in the middle of that too. Because I'm I'm sure he went through a lot of wah pedals. <laughs> well, don't we all? Lemmy said that he's like, here, just step on his pedals and you have to pick them up with it and put them back together. You <laughs> got me all fired up, <laughs> dude. You are fired up. Ah oh, man, so it's, just, it's just it's just a bummer. It's not nine sixty nine anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey man it, it's whatever year you make it <laughs>
2: exactly I'm so grateful for that for that time you know that's such a great time in music The you know the Woodstock era is just like I feel like it's such a golden time in music <laughs> and
0: I didn't even know you had such a Hendrix side because you do so I've seen you do so many things and different gigs and songwriters and around town you're always doing something but I'm curious when did you did you have a musical family like let's see how you started out and Ended up in LA and ended up playing with all these great artists.
2: It was like, um, like, you know, my dad has, my dad has really good taste, you know, music and, um, and my mom does too. She's, she's a little bit more poppy and there's nothing wrong with that. But my dad was like, had, he had like lightning Hopkins records on vinyl and like he, he got me listening to Stevie Ray and stuff like when I was a kid. And I actually, I actually heard Stevie Ray before I'd heard Hendrix. And, um, it it was quite a surprise to hear that the, the original Voodoo Child version of, of jimmy's uh, under siege movie uh, until then i thought it was stevie i thought steve Wonder had written it
0: wow so you <laughs> actually heard the hendrix version second second
2: and then i went back and thought oh this is just way dirty it's so dirty and so like it's just so much magic and like voodoo in this and it's like it yeah. just it get, oh it gives me, gives me goosebumps <laughs> thinking about I'm it hearing it in my
0: head yeah i'm hearing oh. all, i'm hearing all the pan moves from the desk and yep the sh- <laughs> yep
2: that little bit of slap in the pan that eddie kramer's whacked on it yeah man god actually um I've got, um, I've actually got uh, a box set, cassette, a four-force cassette box set of um, Jimmy. And um, it has that same session that they they took the take, but it's a different take. Right. So you can hear the tone, you can hear the room, you can hear the the, the, the chemistry, but there's this one note, it's like, ah, and then it just drops out. But it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, that's so cool because you can hear the room without all the panning in the mix. I so it's so interesting. And now, uh, How much Eddie AD actually added to the mix, you know in post so
0: what kind of stuff were you playing first that
2: kind of stuff so yeah so back to that so um yeah so my first well I actually like heard the first time I heard electric guitars was like I grew up going to church on Sunday so my parents took us to church so they were like a bit more of like a, a like a rocky kind of church that like they'd have a rock band <laughs> so, so yeah so like i'll be hearing guys playing like electric guitars at church on a sunday morning and it's like that was like kind of kept me there i was like oh that's cool i i, I don't go to church anymore but um i was exposed to the, like electric guitars there funny. and like you know and i was hearing dudes playing distortion and like effects and stuff at church yeah. so it was like very cool so that's how i at first kind of heard it and our dad's records, Be- uh the Beach Boys was a huge one too. Beach Boys and um like all the old blue stuff and like um I really um my first musical influence was uh, Sam Cook and Benny King. So I, I, yes. I come I came from a soul background, like a blues soul background as far as musical goes. And um my favorite artist was Sam Cook. <laughs>
1: Killer.
0: did you <laughs> sing that stuff too. Or? i used to
2: sit there and record myself singing back like st- like you send me and cupid and stuff i just thought that was the sweetest like songs and i was like a t- 10 year like under 10 years old probably like a six-year-old kid
0: when did you grab the guitar
2: so um okay so now the, the coolest story is my my best friend back in S- sydney who i went to primary school when I mean, we hung out still still my best friend to this day um his next-door neighbor had um had electric guitars and um, like you know, they could if they had it, they like, they could afford them and whatever. Like, like I never, I, I could never like you know afford to buy one or anything. My parents never bought me one, but not till later. But uh, anyway, so he, my friend would go there and play the video games, and I'd sit in there and play the guitars. And I would just like sit there and noodle for hours, just like yeah. And I just and I'd just be sitting there, just doing like tone, just step apart across the whole string, and I'll just go. <laughs> and I'd be sitting there doing that, and oh, I, and i I really started working on my vibrato like when I was like before I had any lessons. So before I actually had lessons, I was, I was working on my vibrato and my bending and stuff, and I was just fascinated with this the emotional kind of you know impact that your guitar has, you know, and the sounds you can get from it because there's just so many sounds. So yeah, so um, my, my next my best friend's next door neighbor had this like uh, a dual humbucker with a single call in the middle. It was kind of like a you know like an Ibanez sort of thing, and he had like yeah. a little practice amp. And um, I just wanted to hear just the most distortion you could get. <laughs> like, yeah, make, you make it sound fast, make it sound distorted. And like, oh, that's cool. You know, you hear that, what's that distortion? Turn that, I didn't even know what distortion was. I was like, what is that? I a sense a back to the future moment happening yeah. here. Oh, that was, that was, that still is my favorite movie. That, that whole Johnny Be Good thing totally, totally in- kicked, inspired me and kicked me. Like, oh. it struck me like a lightning bolt. Like, oh my God, this is like, I want to do that. Oh yeah, me like too, thank but you, but honestly, Michael J. The Fox. the moment where he's like,
0: "I want to hear some volume," and he, <laughs> yeah. the speaker blows him
2: across. <laughs> <Yeah. them. laughs> so apparently what he played that. Apparently he pl- like Michael J. played some of that. I played it or something. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty impressive. He rocks out. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw Billy Zane in um on tour last year, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, he played it all or something." I was like, "Wow." So that was cool. But um, yeah, so you know, like you know, bit of movies, bit of church, bit of friends next door neighbors, and then um eventually we found out which is really f- hilarious like my mom actually had a nylon string guitar in the, in the closet at grandma's the whole time it was like ma you've got to get me a guitar i need a guitar. i want a guitar it's so bad it was like this kid you got to get this kid a guitar it's like it's like it's a crime not to let this guy have his guitar like it was like that and i was like i got to a point where i was like yeah, if you didn't get this guy, kid a guitar there's, there's there's gonna be something wrong with this kid so it was kind of like that i was just obsessed with it and um yeah so grandma had the acoustic nylon string and i I just learned how to play on that so like i was very fortunate in my uh community where i grew up in sydney which is like manly waringa area in the northern beaches we had this thing called the blues collection which came out on a subscription where they sent you the magazine and the tape cassette i collected it weekly so i subscribed to this magazine and the first one was johnny hooker second one was bb king and then it was like, and the list goes on, like Buddy Guy, Robert Johnson, uh, uh, Howling Wolf, uh, you know, uh, Eric Clapton with uh, with Howling Wolf in the London Sessions, stuff like that, and um, you know, and the Chuck Berry, and like, just you know, the, I, I came from like a blues thing, and then, and like, thank God, like this magazine had all this information in like a chronological timeline, so it's like it's kind of like it was kind of like studying musicology is from like a a, a kid. It's crazy, and I couldn't believe it. But I just loved the music, in Sydney. in Sydney, and I just couldn't believe it. It's like there's just something about the blues and the feeling of it, and just the tones, and just just that the story, and just this, just the feel of it. Just really, just just I don't know. I've I've been hooked ever since. <laughs>
0: you and a million of us. Yeah. Right.
2: So that was it, really. And then um and then and then eventually we bought. I was in seventh grade. Oh, that's right. My best mate, his next-to-neighbor, he had the, the, like, you know, the, the shred machine metal thing. And then he got uh, a Fender Strat. His parents bought him a Fender Strat, so then I got to play the Strat. And um, so, I really, really, like, to shed a lot on that Strat. We're heavily into Stevie Ray and and Hendrix and stuff. And we'd talk about who we thought was better and stuff. And, and like, you know, and I love love them both. But, I mean, I think, like, um, I I couldn't say one's better than the other. But, I mean, like, they're both so special to me because Stevie was the, the first one I heard. And, like, it was just so magic and, like that Voodoo Child version was just shook us up. I, I put it on a Christmas day. I was like, I want to listen to this. And my, you know, my, my grandparents were like 78 years old. They're like, oh, we're listening to this today. It's Christmas day. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> they're like, what is that? Yeah. Like, turn this up. So that no, was great. Yeah. You know, so I mean, and then, you know, seventh grade came around and then, um, I, my mum bought me, um, $150 guitar rig. We got a Samic Strat and, and a little, uh, Samic amp, or like, you know, 10 watt amp, solid state amp, which I thr- thrashed both of them to death
0: um, What well, was one of the first jams You remember just having fun playing So
2: I was like into like Like John Lee Hooker You know I'd be like
1: yeah.
2: You know that kind of stuff you know
0: I like the way you're playing it too Just, it looks like your right hand your plucking hand
2: so you know and, and I figured out that like wow that's where Jimmy got all that stuff like you know
1: yeah.
2: you know that kind of stuff you know and then um, my first guitar lesson at school was fire at Woodstock I was like, I love Woodstock, I love fire, I wanna learn how to play like that, I wanna do that. And he's like, Okay, cool. So he taught me how to play fire and it was like it was like this, you know. <laughs> he played me like it's like, well, it it's he does it with octaves, but you know, here's the top note and the bottom note. And then like, you know, and he taught me all these little things. And these cool little like voicings and stuff, you know. And um yeah, so fire was my first thing I've learned, like from a like, from a teacher from a teacher. So but um yeah, you know, Woodstock version In the sixth grade, Woodstock was everything to me Sixth grade
0: That must have been several decades after You're Yeah, so young.
2: that was trippy I, mean, I think I was born in the wrong time But <laughs> yeah, man, so um, Yeah, stuff like that, bluesy stuff And then, um, you know, Chorus' Wild Thing Was the first song I'd learned, Wild Thing Yeah And um, yeah, you know And like, you know, Peter Gunn, you know That's so badass you know just simple riffs and stuff and just like blues and then mary had the lamp you know that's that stuff you teach the
0: beginner stuff i love you know? yeah. It's funny this i remember seeing the blues brothers yeah and that was like my favorite part of the movie when they were started walking like that peter gunn theme came on yeah it's like that's badass. Yeah. I was like, "What's that?" My dad's like, "That's the Peter Gunn theme." Okay. So <laughs> it was like a remake or whatever. <laughs> so with energy in it.
2: Yeah, man. And um, uh, Ray Charles doing the um, doing that piece in there where he starts playing the playing the Whirly or the whatever. It's just like oh, magic, man. I just Ray Charles, and that just blew me away. So good. Wow. Huh. But when did you um?
0: decide man was it were you five years old ten years old 15
2: well it was kind of like um i never thought oh i'm gonna do this like for a living or whatever i just did it and it was just like it kind of just took me to places in my life and i just followed it i just kept doing it it, it just felt good it felt right it, it inspired me and it, it kept it kept me out of tr- like out of trouble i guess like i probably would have gotten into trouble if i didn't play music or something you know
0: dude i'm the same way i can literally <laughs> you know it's <what's> funny <laughs> When I was in high school, we had this class called Classical Guitar Class. kept me in school, but I would hang out in that room playing the guitars, cutting the other classes, because mm-hmm. I kept playing. So I was in school, but oh. cutting classes.
2: Yep. Sick. Yep. We used to do that. Well, I... Like... Um, like i want to i want to bring this up uh, my music teacher in, in high school uh john stone who is actually um angus and julius stone's parents uh, father um they're an australian act um you know they've been doing great stuff around the you know around the world and um um he, their dad was my kind of like my mentor and he was like no you should sing and you know you should learn jazz and i want you to join the big band and like you're gonna charts." and he made me do all that he's like you're gonna get a singing lesson and you're gonna go you're gonna join the you're to join the jazz band you should just do it I was like yeah yeah okay okay and I wasn't into jazz at that point but my brother was but anyway so John Stone was like really nurturing the kids like you know encouraging and really got everyone together and inspired us all and he put us on the road in high school we toured, we toured Australia in the big band in high school in a bus and like badass. the ninth grade. <laughs> you had a pretty musical school, <laughs> huh? So to we're touring the country playing music already and like getting the whole idea of working as a group and like, you know, loading the van and all that stuff in high school. So like we were very fortunate to have that experience as I know now that people are trying to take music out of school, which I just think is just, you know, such a terrible thing for kids to not have music. But um, yeah, so I was very fortunate about the music program and the music teacher um, which I found out later was kind of a rare thing. I mean that, that, that probably didn't happen to a lot of kids, you know. So I felt very blessed and fortunate that, that happened later on. It's very cool to see his kids do so well, and then the, and when they came to town, they invited me out to come play down at the down at the lodge, the Masonic Lodge, and the whole Hollywood Forever, and down in Venice, and like they had me come and sit in, and like as a tribute to their father. And I was like, it was just like just such a golden moment for me. So um, yeah, so John Stone, thank you. I know if you're out there <laughs> listening, uh, he got me into jazz and big band and made me do that stuff, which I didn't want to do, which I, I'm so grateful that I did now because it really helped on. Like, it really helped me later. I was like you. I was like I'd I'd go to school early to jam before school started. I would be there at recess and then we'd be late to our last two classes and after lunch because we'd still be <laughs> jamming have to, sometimes it'd be 20 minutes late because we just want to keep playing I'm telling you it's like oh
0: I'll, just, I'll skip that class I'll go to the next one yeah, and then yeah. same thing for the next one Yeah.
2: Ah. I mean my buddies Brian and Nima and Brenton and, we'd sit, and, and Aaron would sit in the rooms in, in, in the, in the, in, near the music room and we would just like of course like you know we had to book a time to get the room like the music room which is very similar to this actually and um um, and if we couldn't We'd just get nylon strings And we'd just sit there And just beat on the nylon strings And just play And just play together And like They're all yeah. in the Guns and Roses And I was, all in, I was into Hendrix and Blues And I didn't like Guns and Roses then <laughs> 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 I like them I like now But at the time It's like oh, I like Hendrix and Blues It's like It feels better to me Or something I don't know It wasn't so much attitude It was more about Like just like a feeling So
1: anyway
0: What did you do Was there any of those jazz jams That you remember Liking to jam on Or chord progressions Yeah we
2: we did stuff like You know I'd learn how to play like, like Like I learned a lot of Ninths and major sevens And stuff Playing like charts Like sharp five Sharp nine Chord Stuff like that Like you know i like, you know, just stuff like that. You know, I got into wares and stuff for the octaves and stuff, you know. And, um... You know, then, um, that's not, you know, that's a very, very basic example of early jazz studies. I got into jazz, I went, I actually went to the conservatorium in Sydney and did like a night course. I didn't do like a, um, a, like a diploma or a degree, but I did a night course, studied two five ones, ran it in 12 keys and did, and did Cherokee 12 keys and giant steps in 12 keys and stuff like that. And Pat Metheny tunes and, you know, Yellow Jackets tunes and like John Coltrane charts and stuff, you know, so I did all that after, later, but, um my 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 goal I actually had a goal by the the eleventh grade. I wanted to be a guy that could play jazz but didn't sound like a jazz guy. I wanted to like have a rock sensibility that had a jazz knowledge, so I could pull it out at any time if I ever wanted to try and sound different or like sound a bit more unique or you know i just I just felt like that might help me like knowing more knowledge about harmony and melody and stuff and rhythm and stuff so I pursued that but and and then and then when I got out into the real world after school, I realized that um. I was getting hired just playing pop stuff or rock stuff. And like all the knowledge I had learned, I had to unlearn again because the first band that took me to America was like, it's just a straight ahead, like rock and roll, pop rock kind of a band. And I was like, oh my God, I, I should, that's what I was doing in the seventh grade. And maybe I should have just kept on doing this the, you know, the whole time. <laughs>
0: it's better to be
2: overqualified. So, anyway. I mean. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and, um, yeah, um, the jazz thing. And then, like, you know, we got the school bands and then I, then we'd have these, uh, um, these performance nights at school called Strictly Bell gala, and um, you know we went to an all boys school public boys school and the, you know the guys would dress up as girls and pretend to be girls and stuff like that or whatever like the they'd plays and stuff and then the bands would all get their opportunity to play so that was really cool to sort of showcase and play the band so the first few years i did like you know a couple of hendrix tunes i did purple haze and then i did like stone free and i actually burned and smashed a guitar one time and the whole crowd was at w- school at school
0: what kind of guitar did you <laughs> smash the Semic. <laughs> <stomach?
2: laughs> it was um my guy neil who i worked for he was like well i'll sell you that guitar for 50 bucks if you promise me that you'll smash it so i was like okay so I bought this guitar. That's Australian bucks. Yeah, so it's a little bit less <laughs> <Yeah>. than American. <laughs> yeah. So he acted me I was like, okay, okay. And then my other mate was like, all right. And I was like, you're gonna do it? I was like, I think, I think so. And then he goes, all right. I guess. Okay, I go. He goes, okay. Well, I'll buy the lighter fluid if you promise me you, you do it. So he goes, okay. So you bought the lighter fluid, <laughs> and he's like now I had to do it. So it's on, and I, you know, and I did it, and um, and we did the uh, like a big kind of like stu- uh, you know, third stone from the sun kind of like you know rant. While this was going on, like just the psych, you know, the baseline, the hypnotic baseline.
1: Yeah, you know.
2: I love
0: shit You know, like You know,
1: you know all that kind <laughs> of stuff,
2: and then yeah. um. And then uh, we kind of just, you know, that, the moment was that there was and then awesome. I pulled the other guitar out. It was like, hey, pass it that." And then it was like, you know, wow, wow, wow. Boom, boom, threw it down, <laughs> burnt it. And then, and then they had no idea that I was going to do it. And they're, sh- they're all shocked. Like their the, the, the principal <laughs> was standing on the stage next to me and John Stone was going, no, Nick, no. And I did it. And then, and then everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> and then they all loved it. It's like, that's the greatest oh, thing they've ever seen. And I still talk they still talk about it they still love it so anyway it's so epic yeah i mean i mean what would we do without hendrix you know i think on.
0: every every high school principal just must be so nervous every time there's a school
2: talent <laughs> show it's like what's going to happen <laughs> so anyway yeah so th- that was great cuz we got to perform we really got to you know f- learn how to play in front of an audience put on a show you know play play you know like a like a like a night you know like play like a fest like a themed thing like a night performance night so that was great so school was really good for me for music and um I, I got really lucky with influencers and I got really lucky with people because I'm um, like, again, like John Stone, back to John Stone again. He had Ravi Shankar on vinyl and he had Mahavishnu in a mountain flame on vinyl. And I'd go Damn. to his room and I'd put that on in high school, like in yeah. the ninth grade. So then wow. I was listening to Ravi Shankar and Mahavishnu, like John McLaughlin. I'm like, bl- my mind was blown. So yeah, that was cool. So
0: you finally made it across to America with... Uh, what was the name of that band? The, the Mink. Okay, I'm so sorry. there's a band
2: called Mink, right? And um, so what, like, I was like, after school... I went surfing and played gigs and I actually I was a guitar teacher I just surfed every day taught guitar and did as many gigs as I could and my, my buddy the teacher at the store Heath if you're listening hi mate he was like just go out and do a bunch of gigs and just learn how to like do the business and learn how to meet people and like how to do you know out in the real world you know and so I did I joined I, I looked in the paper and I actually looked up at Classifieds and the guitar I wanted, and I just called people up and stuff like that. And um, the first one I saw was the Led Zeppelin thing because I was super—I got super into Zeppelin mid-high school, and I had to go on audition. And then the guy liked me. He goes, "Yeah, I want you to do it." And I was sixteen years old, so that's kind of how I, I did it. On my, I kind of just just motivated and just inspired and driven and like just all by the music, and it just it just took me to great places. So. You follow that inspiration, and that that you follow your heart, and just like you know, play your ass off and work hard, and you know, things happen. Start happening, I guess.
0: So not you, easy though. You were chilling, playing gigs, and surfing, surfing, in awesome Australia, where I've always wanted to go. And yeah. now you're in Hollywood, man. You you <laughs> fucked that
2: up. Well, I got Malibu down the road. It's just an hour away.
0: <laughs> do you surf sometimes? You surf I do. With, I love surfing.
2: Actually, I haven't not with him. I surf with Martin like that Martin, Martin Estrada, but um. Um, yeah, so um, You know, I just, I, just, I just worked my ass off I was a teacher, I was, I was working my ass off And um, I started getting jazz lessons Like 11th grade, because I was like I really need to take this seriously, take it to another Like higher level and, um, and my jazz teacher was like You should go to Berkeley College of Music You'd be perfect for that place, you know You like jazz, but you like to rock You're more of a rocker, but you like jazz So he's like, go to this school I was like, okay, cool and this guy was an amazing like player like he played like pat Metheny and pat martino like f- yeah. amazingly like that and i was like this guy was just mind-blowing so like he was like my i was like wow this, i'll do what this guy tells me and um he taught me about freddie green he taught me about like you know jenga reinhardt he taught me swing feel like you know <laughs> I mean, something like that. Anyway, so we hit hit play like that on me, and he'd be like, "All right, now, now let's do triads." And he'd be like, "You know, taught me triads and stuff. You know how to play jazz and like you know, it teaches you like you know, kind of like chromatic licks and stuff and. You know, because you know, you're, when you're getting into jazz, you're like, "How does it sound like that?" And you figure out that it's, you know, you're playing the chords, you're playing the changes, and you, you, there's a lot of chromaticism, and there's a lot of other stuff going on, which isn't in the blues as much, you know. And it's a different language, you know. It's more like playing like a horn player. So, you know, I had to learn. I went through years of trying to do that, and I, I still haven't quite mastered it, but like, you know, it's definitely taken me to places where I wouldn't have gone if I hadn't have gone tried to go there. So, um, you know, so he taught me that kind of stuff, and um, uh, Charlie Christian and stuff like that. You know, he taught me this Charlie Christian. And G minor Stuff like that, you know Anyway um, I love it And just, you know, kind of stuff like that And just those notes, you know So it's in between notes Which when you play at a certain, you know, speed or a feel Or, you know, around around the, the beat Or like, you know, around the phrase You know, it gives it this effect And it's like, oh wow So it's just that note But just playing like over, on the offbeat or something you know which sounds, gives it that sound and feel so I was like oh that's what it is and then, then, well he start there <laughs> it's, not, it's a lot more true than that but anyway yeah so man yeah so like the jazz thing I really started getting into that and then he, he sort of put that in my head go to Berkeley. so I was like alright cool so, so I got my stuff together and I got to put a little quartet together and we recorded um, you know Yellow Jacket's uh, Wisdom and um and like pat metheny the road to you or something like that and we recorded that sent it in and they loved it and I'm like yeah here you go there's a, there's a, they gave me a you know partial scholarship but i still couldn't afford, i still couldn't afford it so i never went but then I, I tried again i got another scholarship and i went to uh malaysia i flew all the way from australia to malaysia to audition for the berkeley panel wow <laughs> and i did it that's how dedicated <laughs>
0: uh, how far a flight is it from sydney to malaysia <laughs> how many hours
2: oh. I can't remember now, but it's not it's probably like eight hours or something. Right. It wasn't that far, but, but I had a great time and I met a friend there who I' am still friends with today. A great like you know finger style player more like I you make, you
0: make friends with everybody. that's one thing I know about you Which
2: is cool. I try to be cool to as many people as possible, so then like after like all the gigging in Sydney and stuff like playing like you know a lot of soul and blues and stuff and then pop stuff and the dance stuff which you got to do to get around the working circuit like the chitlin circuit (laughs) and then um, and then one day I got a phone call Um, this would have been 2005 or 2006 10 years ago I guess and um, I mean I I had done a a label gig major label gig which was like oh wow all of a sudden you're playing a major label that means something but uh, you know (laughs) It was great. It does. It's it's great to play with people like that. And then um, my friend Christian hooked me up that gig. Thank you, Christian, bass player, amazing Australian bass player, Christian Attard. Right. Also plays. He also re- recorded a, a project called Pluto, which I have. Anyway, it's like a oh, fusion yeah, well,
0: kind of thing. We're gonna have to listen to some of that in a little bit. That's too cool. <sighs> Thanks.
2: Yeah, man. And then um, I got a call. I was like, um, we're doing this thing, and I would love to come down. And, you know, meet the guys, and like, you know, we a, there's a budget and a thing like that. And, and in Sydney city's he's like, yeah, we're all, we're going to America. Like everyone's like dream is like we're going to America. It's like, and you know, it's it's one of those things. Oh yeah, we've all heard that. We've heard that. Okay, like, right? No, we're actually going. We're we're do we're actually we're going to New York. It's like, yeah, right, whatever. Was cool. this Mink? Yeah, this is Mink. Yeah. Mink, okay. And um, my buddy Grant, the bass player, is like, you know, we're going. I was like, Are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, oh wow. These these this man this these people had put together this thing, and like you know, they found these players in Sydney, and um, we did this band thing all of a sudden, and then the next thing you know, we've got. A singer who's in new york is the, the lead singer or songwriter of the band like main writer or whatever and then like we're in new york <laughs> doing this thing in new york you know it's great and then uh, so i lived in new york uh for two years pretty much wow. traveled back and forth Sid- sydney new york and then um did a couple of shows america back to sydney a lot of writing did the record in australia And then we came back and then moved and finished the record in uh, North California with Sylvia Massey with the Tool and like, you know, Chili Peppers and like whatever, like uh, Johnny Cash and stuff like that. Print, worked with Prince for a long time and stuff like that. Amazing engineer, producer. Hi, Sylvia. Awesome. Cool, cool person. (laughs) Great gear. Great studio. Huge, huge, huge drum room at Weed, California at Radio Star Studios. Um, Mount Shasta at the heel of Mount Shasta. Amazing. That's where it is Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> And with this incredible drummer, Stella Stella Mosgawa So, I heard this gu- um, She's a f- amazing One of the best drummers you'll ever see Female drummers you'll ever see Or drummers She's a f- fantastic drummer Let alone female drummer Touchy subject Oh, come would. Anyway um, And um, I heard her playing Primus one day In my garage with my younger brother I was like, wow, are they playing a record? Sound like a record I go on the notes, my brother's le- younger. My younger brother's band rehearsing and this this, this young 14-year-old girl was playing, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Herb, Herb Ellis. Yeah, the ginseng drummer, Herb. I, I, I couldn't believe it. She was playing this Herb stuff and I was like, oh my God. Tim Alexander. Tim Alexander. That's right. And um, I kinda know like him, Frizzle Fry album it? and stuff like that, the early primus stuff. And, Dude, um,
0: you don't even know. Oh my if you God. listen to Frizzle Fry or the live one, you can hear me and my buddy. The very first thing you hear before anything. Are you in it? Just know we're in the audience. That's you? That's so cool. That was my buddy. He could do the jungle sound like nobody else. Wow.
2: That's cool. It's a cool story.
0: <laughs> it was a club. They they're just a club band back
2: then. I really hope everyone, if anyone is listening, I really hope they're not ticked off by that drummer right next door. We really apologize, guys. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we'll, so, yeah. i will um, doctor this later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so Stella, so she was kind of a part of the family with my my younger brother. So I kind of like you know we go into this other band, and we started playing around. And I started like oh, I wanted to get her out, get her out and playing because she's doing some stuff. I wanted to get her like you know get her some paying gigs as well because she was so good. I was like, yo, you gotta be, de- you deserve like a lot more, and um, she's doing great stuff and she's she'll always do great stuff, but um. Um, so yeah so we she, she, we picked her and then uh, she came with us and then that was it so we all came together three Australians met up with an American in New York and then we had this band Mink and um, yeah with Sylvia Massey Chris Shore also did a record uh, did a, f- a bunch of the first half of the record Chris Shore a producer has done um, a few things too like Bob Dylan and stuff and um, um, yeah and then um, you know that lasted for about two years our singer wanted to have a baby he didn't want to do the band anymore so like okay and then um, we, you know, we toured with Perry Farrell. We were waiting for Perry Farrell at the time, where before James was back together. He's doing a thing called Satellite Party. Is there one lick
0: that stands out from Satellite. your set? That
2: it's kind of just like you know. It's it was like a bad thing. It wasn't like a like you know. I at that point I was like wanted to be like more guitar-y and more like psychedelic experimental and that kind of stuff and I, then I, I realized then back in those days you had to like build from somewhere I've, I, I, felt, I felt that the people like around you who are supporting you you know, they want you to do a certain thing and um, you know and I, I just had to get my, navigate that it wasn't really my thing musically so much but I um, um, made it work and I had the best time with it and the most experience and just made like, if there was ever a thing I didn't like or uh, I just like my philosophy was just, just make it sound good if you don't like the part You have to play Or whatever Just make it sound good It Doesn't matter If you don't like the part Use the pedal or like Just make it work So um, I'd made a few contacts On the road And like You met a few people And um At the end of the tour We came to To America uh, To LA Me I mean Stella And um Perry Farrell Invited me and her To come and be Um To, to be his band For the uh, to Tom Morello's Acts of Justice Which is like a, a benefit that he puts on For the homeless And um it was um, me, uh, Carl Restiva was on bass, the legend, and then um, Perry was doing that, and um, I was playing guitar, and Stella was playing um, drums, and that was the night she met Flea, and that was the night um, you know Slash was there, he sat in, and you know, Mick Miles was there, and uh, you know Serge Tankin and uh, Richard Patrick, you know it was the kind of that kind of crew, the Hol- cool cool rocker Hollywood crew, awesome. Where,
0: did, where was it held that time? It's, it's at Hotel Cafe. The benefit? Yeah,
2: and it was it was, <laughs> uh, it was was uh, Christmas time, like, like uh, approximately probably like 17th to the 20th of, of, of December 2007.
0: I've always heard of that benefit and, you know, I yeah. picture it being in a giant room. I mean, for yeah. those of us listening who have not been to the hotel cafe, it's like a block from here Yeah, and it's small. Yeah. But it's a great place. Yeah. All the great songwriters come through there, but what is the capacity, like 150? Yeah,
2: and it was packed. It was packed to the buggery and like, you know, they're like, yeah, come down and play, and like, can you bring your amps down and can we play? I was like, yeah, of course. So I brought my Vox and stuff, and like, and like, you know, Tom Morello was playing like my SG and stuff, and, and like, it was so cool. And like, I got to play with Tom, and you know, I got to hang out with Slash, and you know, it was just a great scene. And um, you know, Flea was down there. Oh yeah, Johnny Polanski was there too. My buddy Johnny was there, yeah. and um, it was just a great hang, you know. And um, that was kind of and Perry introduced us. He goes, "I want to introduce uh, my my friends from Australia." From, uh, to the Los Angeles rock and roll community. <laughs> and he, kind of play, he kind of blessed us into, the, into his, his Dude, world. You were anointed. He got anointed by Perry Farrell. So that was cool. And then, um, Wait, what was it like working with him? I, mean, that guy's May, like, I love Perry. I mean, Perry's, my fa- Perry, Perry's were- like awesome. I love Perry. So uh, about six months or eight months later, I, actually, so by, by that point in time, I sort of thought, well, bands, the last gig that Mink did was uh, Fuji Rock in uh, 2008. Around March 2008, and uh, that was, we decided, well, let's just, we'll just leave it go out with a bang. He doesn't want to do it. We'll just do this last big gig, and that's it. So we left it on a high note. So we played to a full crowd, at, uh, um, you know, after Grandmaster Flash or something. <laughs> and then we had a, it was such a buzz to see that many people come see us, you know, because we had Avex, you know, we had a label and we had people pushing us and stuff in Japan. It's just such a buzz. Like, and um, yeah, it's a great experience. So anyway, yeah, Perry, um, so that was, you know, to early 2008, and the band was done by then. I moved to to um to to LA because I had friends in Sherman Oaks. They who, who had me. They were like kind enough to have me, you know, on the couch kind of thing. You <laughs> know, so I came to LA and just sort of on the couch because I had. He was an old. They're old students of mine. I taught in Sydney for like five or six years prior to that, and um, they were really pleased with their their son's progress, and then they were very very accommodating to me that if you need, to, you know. So very very grateful. That's sweet. I Kazi you lo- I love you dude <laughs> <laughs> Kazi and Cameron You rule Yeah but like I got in it Like because of that tour That we came off With Mink And Perry And all that stuff I got so lucky Because uh, Perry Perry's manager Called me up because, Hey you want to come Down and audition It was one of those calls again You want to come down And audition I was like Oh wow I was like Oh that's funny I've just been on the road With Perry And like he knows We'll be jamming and Like, Yeah sure well, Yeah I'll come And audition I already need the song so I came out and auditioned and then it was like a Perry Farrell like solo thing because he was getting booked as like doing his like more like experimental dance side of stuff, which he put out an album in like I think 2000 or the early 2000s called uh, Song Yet to be Sung. So he kind of went, positioned himself back into that world again with like Perry over the beats and stuff like that, which is super cool. It's a great record, that record. And um, so he called me and the thing was, it wasn't a rock thing. It was kind of like, it was a, a beat driven thing, like a DJ culture environment with guitar still and singing and dancing because so his wife would dance with us and do big vocals and it was Perry just doing his thing to like the beats it was so, cool. so and we, cool and we got to play like you know Lollapalooza and Coachella and like you know South by Southwest like special private parties and like all this cool stuff and and then uh, the first what thing kind we of stuff were you playing on so things? it was like you know it's like kind of like varied to like you know delay sort of stuff you know like and I did figure out these like weird sounds and stuff I'd be like You know, be doing like weird sort of stuff, like, you know. You know, like, you get like this kind of high sort of... My buddy, um, Dude, my that buddy, sounds great. What do you, you get? Just, what, just what, just what, kind of what do weird you have Stuff going? like that, like and like you know, and like oh, lo- tons more stuff. But so um, what? Are, how do you? How are you getting that sound right there? It's really cool. So here. what it is, right? Um My buddy jo- John Omar, who's in a band called Jaguar, which who I, you know I came out of Sydney with. Um, who's an amazing producer in that world, like Chemical Brothers kind of world, where it's like, you know, it's hybrid analog synthesizers and sequencers and like beep, and like you know eight oh eights and stuff live. And anyway, like he sort of opened my eyes a lot to electronic music. Like I didn't like electronic music at first, and like I kind of had to get into it because of um in growing up in Sydney. Like the the DJ culture that, that then was ten years ahead of America. It blew me away in two thousand and nine, wow. being in America, when EDM came in. Everyone was just like, oh, EDM. I was like, guys, this has been around for like ten years already. And like you know, San Francisco. America is crumbling. Yeah, you know, and like, and i like, we, we we're we we're onto that. Like, he turned me on to like Richie Horton and stuff like the guitar players probably don't really know about, like stuff like that. Matthew Deere, Richie Horton and like, you know, Chemical Brothers and stuff like that, which I really like and get into that stuff. And, um, you know, like Johnny Greenwood and Radiohead and stuff. And um, yeah, so um, basically what it is, it's, I've got like a, just a, you know, a little bit of drive and a, a bit of verb. And What's um, the drive from that purple love powder? Yeah, it's just the purple plexi that uh, Sean gave me, Sean Michaels. It's a Plexi 100, uh, the Plexi One Hundred, the the custom one, the custom shop one. Uh, a harp, I've got a harp reverb. It's ma- made by Lone Wolf Blues Company, which I haven't really seen many around. You have to get order it from a website. It's a really really great knockoff of a, of an actual spring. It's digital, but it's it sounds pretty good. I've got the Stryman doing like you know like a dotted eighth note or something, and then um, I'll do like a um, a long whole note as a like a trailing delay
0: on the post on the DL4 yeah i love the DL- i love the
2: DL4 um Yeah, and of course, that air just kind of... Oh, oh, oh. So, it's a lot of kind of text, textural, you know... Dude, I just love
0: the way that trails
2: off. That's actually been a big part of the Pluto sound, that trailing sound. Anyway, um, <laughs> um so, like... You know, just, like, textures and stuff, like, more rhythmic stuff, percussive stuff that you wouldn't think a guitar would play, more synthy kind of stuff. And I got that from my mate Jono. Like, we used to jam along to, like, techno (laughs) records and stuff. And, like, we'd do sets. We'd play live. And I'd do, like, that all that very non-guitar-y stuff um, to make it work. And then um, the first thing that we did with Perry was a call. We had this track. He had his track laying around um, with Andy Bell from Erasure. I'm I'm not sure if anyone's hip to that as much in the guitar world, but... I sure, certainly didn't know what it was but I was hip to it after that but um, it was like a big dance track and um, the first thing you hear is that sound it's called Honey if you love him that's all that matters and um, that was that was a buzz because I got to do, I got to be in a record with with Barry. <laughs> I was oh, like no. whoa and it was dance music so it was very hip it was very fresh and very modern and very like I kind of just got fell into it because I had that background of like sensibility of playing with like DJs and playing different tempos and like to the point where I, I played with like DJs in Sydney where um. The 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 thing about playing with DJs is uh, your pitch, pitches are can go out because yeah. sp- <laughs> the speed of the record. So you could be playing oh, and your guitar isn't quite in tune with the record. Was, so it's that's a, a buzz kill right there. But it makes you so much better. It makes your ear so much better. So you have to figure out a way to make it work. So you either Wait. bend the string or you make noises instead and just make rhythmic things. So so hold on a second. Let's see. I want to hear a little bit of that studio track. See if we can find it. Yeah yeah. yeah so it's the first opening, like ten seconds. <laughs> For all the for all you guys that hate da- dance music, <laughs> but anyway, I got no. my first like couple of seconds in the in the top there. It's like the chirping bird sound. I call it. It's guitar. It's not synth.
0: I really I really like how it's half percussion and half melody.
1: Yeah.
2: So anyway, that was um that was kind of like the vibe, and like I didn't use amps with Perry Live. Nice. We just we, we just use computers with like Guitar Rig and um and Amplitude i had like the Jimi hendrix amplitude plug-in into a macbook pro and i used the um the guitar rig a MIDI, uh midi foot controller as the as the interface yeah and i'd have pedals going in the front end into the digital s- signal and i'd affect the signal going in and use all the effects inside as well and we get and then there's no problem with th- stage level it's strain of the pa with like you know in-ears or like you know wedges and um and that was what we did. It was great. <laughs> the coolest thing, and I'd love to talk about this because it got deeper. Like, so we did that track and um, that was such a buzz for me because I bought an M-Box because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to like, do some work, like a studio kind of work without going to a studio because I didn't have a studio. So I, I bought an M-Box. And um, I was at my buddy's place and I did that like on his couch, like just, just getting into these sounds and stuff and learning how to use Pro Tools. So kind of kicked me in the ass to get, you know, start producing and start, you know, recording and doing your, getting your ideas down, like from that kind of e- at an easy kind of way, doing it like on an inbox yeah. in, a, in, a bed, in a bed, in a living room yeah you know, and making it work <laughs> having to make it work tracking on the couch yeah <laughs> exactly. Awesome. exactly so so um yeah and then uh, the, the coolest thing and probably one of my my favorite moments in a studio i'd have to say so far was with perry we did this track called nasty little Perf, which he'd written with Carl Stevo or something and um they'd uh, they'd built the track with atticus ross from nine Inch nails to me that's like wow because like, i'm like i'm a huge nails fan like, wasn't it wasn't like till much later, until I like, was more educated and heard a lot more music. But, like, back in the day when I was a kid, I didn't, wouldn't have known about it or liked it. But, like, coming to America and hearing, like, Trent, what put, Trent put out, like, past, like, you know, with teeth. I had a girlfriend back, you know, 10 years ago that loved Trent and, like, was, like, playing me with teeth. And I kind of got into it then, 10 years ago, kind of thing. And then, and um, I was like, wow, this is Atticus Ross. Holy moly, this guy's amazing. You know, like this incredible, like genius, like producer, like sound, is, soundscape guy, like sound design and yeah. like beats and like arranging and editing. Genius. Like, the,
0: I love it. I love their
2: social network theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you've seen, heard of that. Yeah.
0: That theme is really cool.
2: And Leo Ross was there, his younger the brother, movie. who's an amazing talent too. He did like, He did the rhythm guitars, the kind of grainy guitar. So we had this track, and it was Atticus's Beats. It was a, a song that Perry had written with Carl Restiva and Um Etty. And we did this thing, uh, nice little perf. It's this beat thing, and, and like it was so cool because I were like, "Yeah, we need to do like this thing at the end. And we need you to come up with the riff, and like, can you do a lead for us? Like, they want me to do the solo and stuff, and like, can you give me some <laughs> ideas? And like for like this section here." So I got to be creative in the studio with guys like that. I was like, "Oh, wow, this is so cool." I was super into Jeff Beck, still am, always will be. But I really got into that Who Else record. And, um you had it coming just yeah. those just those big beats and those distorted guitars and like a lot of ring yeah. modulation a lot of cut up stuff so I, I'd heard that and I wanted to make music like that but you know I was so fortunate to fall into a situation with a guy like Atticus and Perry who have the song and have the production down and um just to come and come in there and just do your, like your little guitar stuff with it and uh, just to be involved it was just su- it was amazing it's such a good buzz and it got released and in like and in, in, in NCIS TV show or whatever it's called on CBS and I was like whoa you know so I was like whoa I was like I guess I should be playing music after all like I didn't give myself I didn't think I should have been playing I didn't really feel comfortable playing music fully until I'd played with Perry I thought oh well if if Perry Perry wants to have me I guess then I'm I guess I'm doing the right thing I'm on the right track and I really started to feel that then I didn't really I was like I'm so hard on myself you know I still am too hard on myself but um Mm. So yeah, so um, so that was really cool. So the solo, I got to do this ring modulation thing and um, it was very kind of Jeff Beck inspired and then like a lot of um, noisy kind of stuff. So I got to do like texture stuff and like Eno kind of stuff, like like swells and like Ebo like harmony stuff, and then the the solo. And then the bring it on home roof at the end, which I thought, okay, well, I just thought Jimmy Page, you know, what could I do? Like like something simple that's effective and it fits to the groove. the guitars in their ears um no just the, the ambient ones in the solo and the uh, and the tweaky ones but there's a atticus and um um leo played the bass and he played the grain like the grain storm distortion night nailsy kind of sounding guitars on the chorus so um yeah it's a group effort and was, i was really stoked on that so grain
0: storm that's exactly what it sounds like i call it like a grain like.
2: Well, if you hear the whole track you know what i mean but because trent because trent has that that you know that real fuzzy grainy guitar digital kind of guitar sound that he's mastered it sounds so cool Yeah. like it's crappy cool like it's so crappy that it sounds good because yeah. it's like it's that, that solid state thin sounding distortion yeah, totally. that he's managed to make work and fit the texture yeah, of the track Bit so, crushed Bit crushed, yeah <laughs> So yeah man, so that was cool that was a buzz Where are we now? <laughs>
0: I don't even know what year was that That was, that like was 2008 or? and
2: 2009 yeah. and I've, I've worked with Perry from the end of 2008 until 2010, Coachella was the last gig that we did because then James was, James was already on the on the on the way back out. Um, up again, so did it turn, already, yeah. turns out that some of the tracks that we're working on in the studio that uh, end up on the on the James record. There's a wow. s- song called Underground, which was one of the first singles that came out. You're we were a, developing you're
0: technically on a Jane's song,
2: um, not on the record. Oh, yeah. Actually, recording not in the writing, but I helped Perry develop that song and demo it um, when we were doing his thing, like the solo thing. Um, I think you wrote that with Carl Restivo or or you something. played
0: so many festivals it's crazy I mean oh I, God, I couldn't I count them I doubt you could count them but what's did, what's Coachella like I love I,
2: festivals I'm a coach I'm a, I'm a festival junkie that's the best it's it? the best I love festivals I, well, played,
0: I played country Coachella on the tiniest stage stage coach stage coach exactly yeah. now um, um but what, what
2: festivals was, are a buzz I mean there's, there's two ways of looking at it. I mean, like the buzz of like the people, the crowd and like excitement of the music and the lineup and stuff like that and just the whole experience. Like the memories you have, you know, you take with you forever and just like the buzz of playing on this big stage is big PAs and stuff. Um, some people hate festivals. Some people don't like all the people and they don't like getting to the, the stage. It's 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 a, it's a, it's a menagerie an sometimes and I can understand that but um, I love it. It's just the buzz. I mean, I, I, I don't hate festivals yet. I still love them. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, you know, just stuff like that. You know, like, and if you're, when you're in good company, it's just like, it's nothing better. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just a great. That's a good life. I mean, you know, being on a stage with that, playing that music, you know, someone like that, the catalog like Perry, you know, like, it's great stuff. A lot of festivals,
0: you don't get a sound check. Coachella is so professional. Do you check
2: there, or you still not get a sound check? Um, I think we had like a, a I don't, we we didn't get a check. We had a brief line check. It was get throw and go. Right. I've had to do. I've I've gotten used to the throw and go thing um when you're doing that with perry it was so easy because we had the computer just plug it in and go mm-hmm. it's all dialed
0: although i heard about one coachella where it was so hot that computers were melting and <laughs> only the real bands could play in one <laughs> afternoon and djs were up <laughs> shit creek
2: yeah i know i know well it's so funny man because like i know there's so many people who, like hate the dj culture and whatever and like you know it's like i had to i had to educate myself about that because you know i was one of those kind of guys at first but till john had, and opened my mind and t- you know and I turned, I got turned on to like Brian Eno and stuff and like like today and like for the last 10 years like Brian Eno's ambient records to me is just as important as Jimi Hendrix and like you know some of that electronic music like yeah. you know yeah. Apex Twin is so amazing so amazing and like you know I got into you know Chemical Brothers it's like the Beatles but like electronic music it's, it's, music, it's amazing but uh, but I just know that some people like especially pusher. guitar players like they, they I know like a lot of rock guys and metal guys probably hate it but you know I, I think it's you know I think there's that you can you can utilize it and make you know new new stuff like someone like Schofield for example who um,
0: John Schofield yeah. Uber Jam
2: J- Uber Jam that changed my life that record changed my life Avi Bordnick yeah and he's a buddy of mine from oh really the day.
0: yeah I learned a lot about because he would do all the kind of before he got into that man he was playing with all these Caribbean bands around yeah. town yep yep. Such a great rhythm player. I would. I learned so much the from the African stuff. Being and on it, the same bill with him, he had that shit down.
2: So down. And he had. And and, and he inspired me because yeah. he had all the computers and the samples and the beats going. And I was like, that's so cool. I like that. And like. And like someone like John Schofield from the old school, who's so like, so happening still. It's just like wow, that guy digs it. That guy's so hip. Like this oh, guy yeah. gets it. Like someone like John, he just gets it. Like oh yeah, he's and he's on the level, man. And I, I saw I saw that Uber Jam um, performance at the Berkeley Performance Center when I went to do to, to do a, like a tour of the school. Two thousand, I went to America just to go to check out the school. My, I'm still holding on to that dream. You know, like, uh, I'll get there somehow. Getting used to that flight. Yeah. And then there's this, like, this, you know, these cute, kind of like neo hippie kind of girls dancing to the music in the crowd and the audience. I'm like, this is cool. Like, these hot, like, girls like my age dancing to jazz, like acid funk yeah. jazz, like electronic. I'm like, this is great. What a cool scene if nothing else will win someone over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that will yeah but it's tasteful it's tasteful oh, you know, they, yeah. they're like they're doing it all live it's all very hands-on it's not very it's not press play so much it's more like very hands-on and stuff so that was cool and yeah. i recommend if anyone wants if any of the guitar players that want to hear tasty like songs with electronic music that's organic and it's not like press play and it's all very hands-on like you're when you're doing your effects and stuff like but like with beats and music like vocals and like Sequences like Jaguamar J A G W A R M A Jaguamar. Say, so yeah, J J A G. Yeah, Jaguamar. Check that out. It's awesome. So, anyway, dude, I'm gonna cool. check that out too. Um, yeah, like stuff like Come Save Me and like, um, you know, Man, I Need all these great tracks. They're so cool, so cool. hip.
0: Maybe we could just, that's a good segue just to jump forward for a second Mm. and then we'll come back. But you have this band Pluto, which is so cool, which I think mixes a lot of your influences from the groove to the jazz, to the kind of electronic stuff. I know you play like some Juno synth and you do all this kind of (laughs) droning (laughs) stuff that is so hypnotic.
2: (laughs) Now, first of all, is that album out or is it not? Okay. So um, we have, actually, yeah. Well, I have, um, I have it here. I have it. We're, we're, We're indie. Number one, we're indie. So. I have a, a print. Uh, we have like a few hundred printed up on vinyl which wow. we, we are selling by the way if you d- if anyone's, anybody is interested in there they can get in contact with me via email which is nmabry at gmail and we'll send you a record if you want to if you're interested in it but um if you want to preview it it's on YouTube um the song, song called "Alice in Wonderland."
0: Well, I've seen a couple, of, seen a couple of songs on YouTube. Yeah. There's like a couple on SoundCloud. Yeah, and there's a but few on SoundCloud I now. I mean, too. like I tried to, I tried to listen to it on Spotify. I tried to download it off iTunes. Yeah, or What's your strategy with this?
2: So the thing is, um, we—it's one of those things like it, it, it's music first, and it's like figure out the rest. Uh, as best as you can, like just as you do, as when you're a musician. If you don't have a manager or you don't have a label, you just if you're that passionate, you just you just do what you can. And um, you know, you use you, you know you use the internet to promote, and you just promote the hell out of it, and just you know believe in it, and just like do as much as you can until you know people can help you, help you mm-hmm. with it. I guess. But I'm um, uh, I'm so stoked because we finally got um, some recognition on on. Re- we actually got a guy in Canada who um, who used to work at Verve. For eight years, Universal, and he he heard Pluto, and he started yeah. talking about it. And he's like, "Oh, I'm going to play this on you on my radio show." He's got a thing called um, uh, "Jazz for Your Soul," awesome. and um, he's like, "I'm going to put I want to put you on a guitar program with Pat Metheny, John Schofield, Kurt Rosenwinkel, and um, like you know these kind of people." And I'm like holy moly are you As serious you. like they're my guy idols well let's listen to it a little bit so yeah it. so Alice in Wonderland is um yeah it's on you can find it on YouTube and it's under Pluto which is P-L-U-U-T-O so two U's it's like the planet Pluto and um yeah it's, it's an ac- actually an astrological meaning that the name being a bit of a musician vibe energy guy <laughs> Pluto is my planet <laughs> Line six, uh, delay trailing there. And I got the idea off John Schofield, actually, for this song. I actually sent it to him and he, for his approval, because he loved it. He <laughs> goes, yeah. Yeah, it's basically said, like, you have my blessing and say hi to Lovano, because the drummer, Elmo Lovano, is Joe Lovano's cousin. Oh, I was wondering. Badass. So, um... That's been around. Pluto's been around for. Um, I started writing. I wrote that tune like 15 years ago. We didn't produce it in a in a rec in an album. We didn't produce it in a studio till 2012. Till I met, until Elmo took me to produce it with his friend.
0: I remember there's a cool guitar break on it. A slide,
2: solo. Jeff Beck, kind of a slide thing.
0: <laughs> How did you record that? Slide and...
2: Um, that was a slide in the SG, my P90s. And believe it or not, like at the studio, um, I was just being like really polite and like just going along with the program, and um, the, the amp that you're hearing there is actually a solid-state acoustic amp a Fender like those those, this horrible brown Fender acoustic amp Solstay and uh, it just sounded pretty good because I I stuck this uh, this Plexi pedal into it you never know what'll work it sounded great
0: zoom back into uh, your adventure where we were like maybe 2010 or something i'm serious yep. what are some of the other artists you've played with i know you play with so many okay hey, so want to talk to you about Mr. so
2: nick, nick perry <laughs> nick perry my buddy guitar player amazing guitar player like kind of a rock kind of a guy who i met um on the road who was actually playing with perry farrell before i before i was he did that tour um and um we became buddies on the road and um he called me 2010 um, Said Hey I'm doing this thing With Matt Sorum <laughs> From Guns N' Roses And I was like I was always a fan Of Matt's drumming I liked Matt's drumming in like you know The Tokyo Dome And the solo Like my high school friends Primary school friends I should say um, We'd we'd sit down And we'd watch These drum solos And I just remember the, I always remember Matt's drum solo And like just like This big snare sound And this big stadium rock thing So I had this thing In my head Like Matt was this like Cool like Such a like Larger than life guy You know Which he is And like you know and like Matt really um was a crucial t- t- um guy to be working with at the time, and you know like um he had this thing with um with his girl ace, and um they' would, it's like a um you know it's like he played drums and they had they played to a tr- like a dance like it was like a basically a, a rock and roll a go go kind of like a rock and roll burlesque thing these hot with the hot dancers and like matt on drums and and the guitar to like you know playing like you know like. Um, like Aerosmith and like just like kind of like a rock cover show sort of thing and it was a lot of fun and um and Nick couldn't do it after a while because he was doing his own thing he joined another band or something and then um he said do you want to do it I said yeah man I'd love to play with Matt I'm a big fan of Matt's drumming and whatever and then I went and met with Matt and then they wanted me to do it I got the gig and then we worked with Matt for, a, for 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 a while and then um you know, Matt got me playing with like Camp Freddy, and like you know, playing with like, you know, Alice Cooper and like Billy Gibbons, you know, and like but this is crazy, like like <laughs> we're, we're talking like you know uh, Camp Freddy the Roxy, like with like Mick Fleetwood and Stephen Tyler and stuff like this, like this crazy like stuff. And Pete Thorne was there one night, too. You know, Steve Stevens and, like, you know, Chris Cheney and, you know, okay. Navarro was there and, like, you know, it was great, man. And I got to play with all those guys and um, I was very grateful for that. And, um,
0: and, of course, you just zoomed over a couple of, like, oh, I play with Billy Gibbons.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, my, I mean, I got to play with Easy Top. I mean, it was amazing. It was incredible. And, um, you yeah, Alice Cooper, I got to play, got to play uh, 18 and School's Out with Alice Cooper and in, in 2010 in New York City, mm-hmm for uh, the 10-year anniversary um, fashion, fashion Week New York 2010, John Varvados 10-year anniversary party at CBGB's because he owns the store. He runs his store now at CBGB's. Um, it was quite an extraordinary time. And then we also got involved with Cherie Curry as well from the Runaways because of Matt. That's all because of Matt. That's how I met. I met Kim Fowley pretty much because of Matt too because of the Cherie thing. Although well, I'd met Kim earlier in the strip, obviously. <laughs> I was playing bass in a band called Billy Boy and Poison just for one night my friends these young guys in the valley who i just thought were really rocking like you know davis and all these guys you know and um greg west and all these kids and like cameron and anyway so yeah you know we did that thing with matt and then um i did that for a while and then so, you know, Camp Freddy is just like a revolving door of guys who, who have been in big bands that they get up and do a thing together and it's it, it, for a while it was like Matt, Chris, Billy Morrison and, you know, Donovan Leach, who's Donovan, this folk writer's son and, um, you know, Chris Chaney, Dave Navarro and then, you know, time's change, yeah. and now it's they're doing something else now and now it's like josh Fries and dave and chris and billy but now matt's doing kings of chaos with duff and billy gibbons and slash so yeah you know, steve stevens when he did that you know so all that kind of stuff you know oh yeah so we recorded a record we got to play i got to play on a, on a, on a studio recording with uh that slash and duff and matt had played on as a vr track called uh mr x Velvet revolver track oh, yeah. yeah so um which we're going to use for sheree's album and um, I got to do the rhythm parts and Slash, they kept Slash's leads and doff and everything. And I just got to like overdub a cool like rhythm track to that, those guys in the studio, which was a major buzz for me. What's the name of that song? Uh, Mr. X. Oh, yeah, Mr. And, and uh, I think it's still, I think it's going to come out soon, actually. Anyway, but... Did um, I see me at Cherie's record? Yeah, Cherie, the Blackheart Records um, um, release, which was the record that was done before the one she's got out now. She um,
0: of course was the singer of the Runaways. For the Runaways yeah,
2: and yeah. I didn't know much about the Runaways when Matt, Matt called me and goes, "Hey, we did this thing." Sharia's like, "Great, you doing it? Great." I love Matt's drumming. Anything Matt's doing must. Yeah, that's I love cool. rock. And anyway, and um, he turns me onto this record. And it's live from Japan, the, the Runaways. I'm like, oh my god, this is like next level. It's like this this 16 year old girl, Lita Ford, is playing like Tony Iommi and Richie Blackmore. Yeah, you know, like vibe. Like, on that kind of level. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And, like, you know, this big drums and, like, you know, this like, the Who kind of feel and, like, you know, this, like, edgy rock and roll thing. Like, wow. And, um, you know, that was exciting. We that got to open for Joan Jett at um, the OC Amphitheater, which is on YouTube. You can find that. 2010, we did that's that. That's cool,
0: man. I just played there. Jake Hayes. Yeah, it's a great, that's a yeah, wicked one. we opened too, baby. Little Jakey
2: Hayes, who I love, is a great all-rounder, producer, musician, who's... um. Got a band called The Maldon Strangers, but he was playing rhythm guitar and backing vocals, and Matt Sorum was on drums, and um, my buddy Grant Fitzpatrick, who's now in the cult, is my Aussie buddy who was in Mink. He was on the bass, and I was doing the little Elita Ford stuff, and um, that was a real buzz. So we did that, and then we went straight into the studio, and we got, you know, Blackheart Records got involved, and we did a record and stuff, blah, blah, blah and um yeah and then that that was amazing
0: you know it's funny about matt i i met him when i was i just yeah. turned 21 went to hawaii this dude was in the condo next door to where we were staying mm. he looked like a rock i don't know who he was <laughs> but we were just hanging out and you'd see him every day yeah. and, and then like four days later i found out someone said that's a drummer for guns N' roses yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like holy shit and yeah. I had the end so then I could talk to him and we'd hang out and I'd show yeah. him how to play cult songs on guitar yeah. you know because yeah. he liked to play guitar and stuff yeah. and then I ran into him like 10 years Matt's later Matt's a
2: good strummer actually Matt's a strummer he, yeah, liked, he writes either. songs and sings he's yeah, great tell,
0: what's that song ED
2: oh nice it's
0: like he's showing him how to play that on, cool. the, right on, on the beach and everything and then I ran into him like 10 years later at at SIR or some shit yeah. I'm like hey man I met you once man we he's like who? What <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, man. He was nice, but he just, didn't yeah, he just
2: didn't remember. Matt's got a great heart. And um so yeah, cool man, cat. and then like, you know, that sort of stuff happened and then and then after that I got a call. My buddy Dust um Dustin Boyer. Actually, we yeah, well, another cool thing about that Matt thing where you know Billy Corrigan wrote a song for Cherie and like, you know, you know, we had Brody Dale, like, you know, Josh. Uh, homie's wife from the, the Distillers came in and sang and like you know and Juliet Lewis from the Licks came in and sang you know it's about like those Damn. kind of things you know Slash Duff and you know all those that, that whole scene was there and then you know it was a good time and then um, I got a call from um, my buddy um, Dustin Boyer who plays for John Cale he's one of my favourite guitar players in LA M- absolute madman and like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, um, well actually reminding back to when I first came to LA Mike Mesker uh, told me i go so what do i do man where do i go where do i hang because just go on the baked potato meet some cats and have a play or go go find lemmy at the rainbow or something you know that was what he said i was like okay cool cool so he took me down to um down to the the, the baked potato on a monday night to meet like chris roy and jamie kime and all those guys and who i, lo- who I love i love chris tour- and <laughs> End up touring with chris later but um and um he goes yeah just get up and have a play and then let me get up and then um i got up and had a <laughs> got my ass. Well, I don't know if I got my. I probably got my ass kicked in a shredding sense, but like uh, I got up and and uh, played with with Raph. What they call him, Huffer Mario. Oh yeah, yeah. And he just got up there and just like blazed it on this Les Paul, and I got up and just did my little thing on my SG. And um, um Dustin Boyer was there in the crowd, and um, because I'm a huge Landau fan. I'm a very big fan Mike Landau fan, and like Word. You know, that that whole like group of guys, like you know Kirk and Mike Landau and um and Josh Smith and uh, and Dustin Boyer, and um. And Dustin Boyer, if you get a chance to check him out, he plays for uh, John Kale from the Velvet mm-hmm. Underground. He's had that kick for y- Yonks. And um, he just came in and blew my mind once, like just these minor seconds and stuff, you know, like like in a weird kind of jam sense and it just made it work and it's just beautiful yeah. chaos. I was like, wow, this guy blew my mind. So we became friends and then he saw me playing that first time I came in 2006 or whatever, and or um, well, 2007, whenever it was. And then um, about four years later, he calls me and he goes, Hey, man you want to check something out? I got this gig for you. You want to check it out? It says Michelle Branch. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, it's that the girl that sang the, the Game of Love for Santana, Carlos Santana. And, um, and uh, I was living with an engineer at the time in Sydney. And she, I just remember him raving about Michelle Branch. I was like, I didn't know who she was. And I was like, you know, I'm still listening to like, you know, my, like Mahavishnu Orchestra. And, I just, and it wasn't like, it didn't occur to me so much, the whole like music business thing so much about like hits and all that stuff. I was just interested in like music and composition and sound. I didn't, didn't know about hits or anything like that so much. That all came to me later just from being in the business. But I, um, I did this thing and I like, checked it out. And like, I, you know, when I check gigs out, I, if I really, if I like the music or I just I just go to town i'll just i'll sit up i'll sit with the music for days and like i'll listen to it non-stop and then i'll sit with it chart it out and then just keep playing it till i should just you know know all the parts and everything and then came in and then um did the audition and like she's like oh wow yeah thanks so much for learning all the parts and stuff i was like oh great thank you so then then uh, then i took that gig and then we went and toured that and then we went out with the cuckoo dolls of all people and um where they had that um we had a big, we had a big uh, tour with those guys, and um, we we promoted her single at the time, and you know did did our film clips and all that stuff, and got to experience like a, a more of a pop kind of experience, you know, like the first gig I did, which was that label thing I was telling you about in Sydney was actually the veronicas so um that was kind of a pop experience you know i played on tv and stuff we did mtv and we did like you know morning television we played live on the radio and all that kind of stuff it Was a real buzz a great experience like you know yeah. you go into a radio station you got to play the song on an acoustic guitar one take perfectly you know they're easy songs whatever but um you know that was you know, that's it you know this is this is the take <laughs> you yeah. better be good <laughs> you know you has gotta be good you know obviously you gotta do the best you can always and then um um, you know just being the whole band like the g- rhythm guitar player you know just doing all the rhythm and making the whole thing work no drummer no bass you yep. know that's a big job I think and now uh, my first uh, gig was actually playing in an African restaurant playing just major chord one four, four five stuff you mm-hmm. know <laughs> on the acoustic guitar dude I love all that you stuff know, so I was forced to get the rit- rhythm going early yeah that I can a, tell that was a very valuable a thing
0: great pocket dude the same for me I used to play all, the Afro, this, all this West African pop like high life
2: yeah and, and and these guys they they couldn't read or write music, and the yeah. way they explained it was like they'd sing me the rhythms, they'd sing me the melodies, they'd sing yeah. the intervals of the chords, and yeah. you find it oh that's just the that's just the triad, that's just the major triad or whatever you know, so, and like he'd sing me these rhythms <laughs> and like and that's how he liked the music. And these I guys were the shit. best singers I've ever worked with, probably,
0: amazing. I, I used to love uh, that. There's this one tune I did with uh, Jeffrey Omadebu and once you learn it, no American can figure out where the one is. he goes like this. But see if you play this bass line.
1: Ah,
2: yeah.
0: See if you can do that (laughs) for a second. The guitar part's all on the off beats. Oh wow! Yeah. That stuff is so good for your strumming hand, you know.
2: That is. That's amazing. That's very similar Uh, to the one. A bit different feel, bit, but like the syncopation, you know. Because that to me was a very, the very unique and, and unorthodox thing to hear, like to play. Like, I
1: love
0: all that stuff, man.
2: And it's like. love all that shit sounds Caribbean sounds like hot hot so all that kind of stuff that was, <laughs> that was interesting to hear that stuff you know and like you know just for yeah. the rhythm it's like it's like cooking a stew it's like it's, it's the momentum and, and the force and the movement and the rhythm that just doesn't stop and the drum would be like just don't stop it's like yeah. you know at least it don't stop in the middle of a hotel you know in the Simpsons or whatever it is it's like that <laughs> you know so. You know, you know that kind of stuff. And yeah. You chuck these licks in, you know. I'm out of tune, but anyway. So it was like, it was like Perry, 2008 to 2010, and then it was Matt for like for all of 2010, a little bit of 11, and then it was all of 11 with Michelle. And then I, and then after all that, I broke my ankle. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> At the end of the, this. end of the Michelle tour, I broke my ankle. Skate That's body. when I met you. Yeah, I met you. With I was you. when I first
0: met you. You were had broken ankle. That's right, and 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 I and, and I, I was impressed that it was done by a skateboard <laughs> <laughs> on the sidewalk. I think.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I, I didn't have a car. Like I, 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 I did these gigs, like these touring gigs, playing on TV and all this stuff. I didn't have a car, and like you know, I was just like just doing it, You're just making it happen. <laughs> and I'd just skate to meetings. I'd just catch the train and skate. And then one day, I was like dressed up in like a, a fancy coat, and I probably had the wrong shoes on, and I hit, I hit a. Um, I've been skating since I was five, you know, the whole time. And I hit a, I hit a crack in the, in the in, on the on the pavement, and, and it threw me off. And it was like a universal thing saying, all right, Nick, time to chill. <laughs> it was like, time to chill, dude. What, did you land it on the sidewalk, funny? I landed, uh, yeah, a little bit too much on my ankle and rolled my ankle. And oh. I was like, I got up and tried to walk, and, and, a, and a guy was like, you can't walk, dude, you got to go to the you gotta go to the hospital dude I was like nah nah I'm cool like, and I tried to walk on and I was like nah this isn't going here I was like oh excruciating pain sitting on a bus stop looking at the traffic going by oh my god oh, was, man. so that put me that down for a good six feeling. months or whatever uh, a few months and um you know and I kind of got more into astrology <laughs> <laughs> you know I'd sit there and like my leg is up. I had my leg up all the time, and you know that kind of stuff. And I, I, still did gigs. Like I went around and still did a couple of Chitlin' Circuit, what I call Chitlin' Circuit gigs, where you, you, know, you play around town, playing blues yeah. and bars and whatever. I still did a couple of them with a, with a wheelchair. I actually played at the hotel cafe like that. There's actually footage of footage of me playing in a wheelchair at the hotel cafe doing like a blues set. And um, and it's very interesting because by the time it was, it, I hadn't quite healed yet, and um, I got a call by Barry Squire. To come and audition yep. for Slash, yeah. and I was excited. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> Slash! Holy shit!" And then, um so to, to be like his, his, his—you his, know, his rhythm oh, guy. Yeah. You know, his, yeah, his yeah. No,
0: I, you know, I did that same audition. Did you do
2: it? Yeah. Oh, you must have been there. So you were there I, at mates when they had like twenty guys lined up.
0: There was yeah, there was like nine guys that day, and I was yeah. the ninth one. Yeah. And
2: well, uh, it was it was weird, like a Barry Squire thing, and they had about fifty guys there. I knew a bunch of them, like you know. Couple of guys. Oh yeah, they were filming, and like I think what it was was it was it was a content thing. Like it was like I yeah. think they wanted content, and they did that, and it was a great thing to do. Like look at all these guys want to play for Slash, you know. But I'm not sure exactly. But oh. and then Frank Sidoris, um, who had lived in Vegas or something, I I heard that he already had the gig or something, and they just went along and did it anyway. I don't know if that's true or not. but um <laughs> and, I, and I heard that, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I did the thing, and you know, I got to play Paradise City with Slash and um, being easy. You know, we did, you know, we did Back in Cali and we did, um, you know, Starlight and stuff like that. Dude,
0: that's great. Hey, right. I didn't get to play the Slash, only the rhythm section. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, although I have interviewed Slash a few times for Cool
2: Cat. Oh, my God. So, dude, you played Paradise City with Slash. Oh, my God. He's like a bat out of hell. I couldn't believe it. This guy was shredding tits off in the, in the, in the room, like, every yeah. time, like... Like a fucking bat out of hell, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, "Wow, he's just like he's so there. He's still got it. He's just shredding like a motherfucker." And I, I like Slash, man. Like I like. Well, I, I, my most memory of Slash is hearing like um, "Knock on Heaven's Door." It's that major scale descending line he does. It's so beautiful. It's so l- lyrical. It's so melodic, mm. and it's just so simple and like just great tone and great phrasing and great feel and like just really inside the melody and just really for the song. So it was a buzz for me, but the uh, you know. I was hobbling (laughs) still into the... So I was trying to hide it, but I think he kind of knew. As I'm walking out of the audition, he's like under his breath, but I heard him and he's like... <clears throat> skateboarding, guitar player. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, I was like, so I from that day on, I had never stepped on a skateboard ever since. So thank you, gonna, Slash. I gave up skateboarding because of you. That was going to be <laughs> that
0: was going to be my next question. For if good you reason. Still skate.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I gave up because so, Slash inspired me. He's like, he made me feel like maybe I could have had the gig if I didn't have a broken ankle, and it was not wasn't going to be a liability on the road as a skateboarder or something. That kind of the vibe, or maybe I fucked up. I don't know, but who knows? But um, it was int- that was. Thank well, you, he man.
0: He was a BMX riding guitar
2: player yeah. when he was a kid. He's not the b-max i'm not allowed to skate <laughs> so anyway but um yeah so that was that that was the slash story and then um you know that i kind of laid low for a little bit and then i just got by and then um i got a call um from lp which is a warner brothers recording artist at the time who had um had been through the whole hollywood scene um with like the Sayers club and Bardot days and we had a thursday night going up bardo and back in 2009 which eventually turned into our club itself which is now the Sayers Club so that Sayers Club whole concept comes from a Thursday night that was a regular that was so popular and so big every week that it had to be its own thing so because of Jason like you know Jason Scoper um, LP kind of came out of that scene because we'd f- it, it really focuses on like showcasing t- particular talent in the singing singing areas so we'd really get like singers up to see who's what, who's got what or whatever like just who could sing or who could like carry carry the audience singers is
0: amazing I mean yeah. it's like I've walked in there and seen some amazing singing and yeah. you guys totally throw it out it happens every Thursday it's like the most cool Hollywood experience anyone can have if yeah. they're into music <laughs> it's funny <laughs> it's like, it's and you play there every Thursday when you're not on the road right yeah
2: or, yeah And I've, I've, I've been like really really of course like, you
0: can't just walk in there though
2: yeah it's 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 like that It's it's interesting I mean in 2009, I was like, hey, Perry, man, you should go down and play this club. It's like this really happening Thursday scene. Like, they're getting people up. Like, Bruno Mars came down and, like, a few people, like, it was kind of like, let's get some, like, some happening artists in here to sing because they, they have a house band, which is like, you know, it's like Cal Arts guys or, like, you know, Berkeley guys or, like, you know, just, like, working musician kind of guys in the house band, like, or, like, you know, MDs from, like, we had this guy, um, um who was Clapton's MD at some time Kenneth the keyboard player you know stuff like that you know and like you know would have like all sorts of guys coming in and playing who were like just top session touring guys and whatever recording studio guys or whatever so behind these amazing artists and I got Perry in there once and so like it's kind of how the relationship started I guess because we got in there and did Jane Says and like you know I don't know like we did a couple of numbers or something and they loved it and then they're like the MD there just loved me because of it I guess or disliked me or something and then I, ever since then i kind of been at home with those guys and then we do this Thursday thing and um
0: Prince came down one night Prince right? came and jammed where, and you, where did out, you guys play
2: okay so so I was I'm a Hendrix freak so like I just sometimes Jason the curator who's like the, you know the, the 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 announcer MC kind of curator guy it's his whole concept um, he, he like he kind of directs the band from the stage and like sometimes he like he wants the band to do tricks you know like, like alright Nick Give me some Hendrix, you know, or something. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, like on the spot, like, go, yeah. no, do your thing now, dance, come on. Yep. So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So I just like wind up my amp, my 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 pedals or whatever, and just do like you know like a Star Spangled Banner or like something like that or like a wild Hendrix thing or Voodoo Child or something, and uh, it would be great. I mean, we have, and all of a sudden, everyone's having a great time and we're having fun, and and then um. So this one time, he goes, all right, Nick, give us some Hendrix. I had no idea that Prince was in the audience. Of course. That's like Jason style. He wants to surprise you and like you know do the most shockingly outrageous, unreal, cool things like that. And then um, I started playing the riff to um to to Machine (laughs) Gun. you know that kind of thing and then and then, and then um, the band's cooking and whatever I love it and then all of a sudden Prince is up there playing the bass
1: <laughs> and I'm like oh
2: what I'm like what's going on and I, I was in the zone like you know doing the thing and I had my eyes closed playing and doing it and I'm you know challenging my hero as best as I could and then, um, and then and then there's this little guy next to me and I'm going what is this and then I'm like what is there, what oh 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 <laughs> it's him it's Prince holy shit and he's there playing the riff because he's you know he's a, he's a Hendrix freak as well like everyone and then um, he's sitting there playing the riff and we're grooving with Prince and gong, 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 gong. and then and then he starts calling changes I'm like oh that's not part of the song but you're Prince so I I'll just follow you so he starts chucking in the minor third to a four and stuff in there and I'm like okay cool whatever great and then um, that was it <laughs> And then <laughs> and then <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then the crowd went wild and then we went into Vedichal and we played the intro and that was it and that was all over. And it was great. It was fantastic. And then and then Prince <laughs> like one of his security guards comes over to me after it and he goes, Prince, what's your number? What's your card have got a card or something? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, it's so like I have my number and my email and like, you know, of course I haven't heard from him but you know, that was that was a pretty special night. And then um then the next day I left for tour with Scott Whalen.
0: Now how did you get the uh, Scott Wyland uh- So um well, actually, so before that, so
2: oh, yeah. so the LP thing, so LP is this amazing singer from New York um, who was a part of this whole Sayers uh, Hollywood kind of music community scene yeah. thing happening. And she ended up getting signed to Warner Brothers out of the Hollywood scene, which is, which, you know, I haven't seen that happen a lot these days. It's, it's interesting to see, like, someone coming up and, like, really, like, you know, kind of shining out of that, you know, rising above the, the pack kind of thing, in a way, and getting signed like that. Um, um, and then... Um, you know, they called me because the guitar player um, had broken his finger or something. You know, there was something about broken bones that year. I had, the, <laughs> I had a busted ankle a few months later, uh, earlier, and then um, they're like, "Hey, um, our guitar and it, I, our guitar player can't um, can't play with us anymore because he's busted his finger." Do you want to come play Letterman with us and come play Mexico and like do like Austin City Limits? I was like, Let <laughs> 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 me think about that. <laughs> that. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> so, but, and it was interesting because I'd already well, I'd already worked with her before Michelle as well I'd done a few things with her like you know like gr- like as as uh, a musical director my friend Nick Rosen was like kind of grooming her for like you know labels and stuff and like playing like the Soho House and like these like special like one-off things to like you know showcase her you know but I ended up going on the road with Michelle that year instead or something like that and then um guitar player yeah busty zang and they, they want to come back and do it i was like yeah i'd love to so that the first gig was to david letterman like two days like three days later and i knew the song ready and stuff so and it's just uh, that song into the wild which yeah. is actually on the letterman which is actually special because now letterman's not around anymore doing his thing right right so he's done so I, I got to play letterman while he's doing his thing that was very cool in the in the um the ed sullivan uh in the ed sullivan room there the Beatles played,
0: yeah, and um, you get to shake Letterman's hand at
2: the end of the song. I tried to.
0: <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen that. It's one It's a yet.
2: funny thing. As I, I reached my hand out to oh. shake his hand, and he's they totally brushed me. But I don't know sure if he knew I was trying to shake his hand or not. But you could totally see it. It's so awkward and funny.
0: Oh, it's funny, yeah. So, so anyway, so seems like they always make an effort. I, I, you know, I played a couple of those. Jay Leno. He looked at you. For, looks at me for like just the smallest amount of time you could possibly look at somebody in their eyes. So it's like point <laughs> zero zero billionth of a second.
1: Yeah. yeah. I remember
0: that one of those nights at like three of clubs, it's like you were at a session, I think it was at Sunset Sound, maybe, but yeah. I wasn't there, yeah, you were doing a session, then you came down and sang like three songs did did your gig, and then went back to your session, <laughs> and then I know you're dJing either like the next night somewhere, like yeah, it just <laughs> that's like crazy that's, that's crazy, man, that's every single minute. Um, Do you ever sleep? <laughs> Some people dedicated. think that's
2: cr- like that's to me. It's like I love this. You know, like, yeah. I look at it now and I think, oh, maybe it was a little crazy, and I probably wouldn't be doing that, going that as hard now. I still go hard, but um, yeah, that probably is why I was a little bit crazy.
0: What do you do for relaxation?
2: Um, I, I did a bit of meditation and go surfing. I love surfing. So go, go the beach, bro, go yeah. surf or like meditate, go for. Well, I go to, I've, I've been getting into daily routine of going for walks because I've I've I figured out if I better you know if I'm driving now. If now I've got a car and this you know I don't, I don't have a skateboard anymore and I'm, I got to get exercise now. So <laughs> I didn't have to worry about the exercise thing. I had that under <laughs> control for a long time, <laughs> but now I've got like I have to make it a point to actually do some exercise. So like I'll go go for a walk or go for a hike or do some meditation and like you know listen to Brian Ambio, a, Brian mm. Eno ambient record one to four on vinyl
0: so yeah i mean i don't know where are we i guess you just mentioned you ended up playing with scott
2: so i got um a call one day no an email actually my buddy was like hey let's go check out scott Whalen at, the, at um the, at bardo in hollywood i was like at school night for kcrw i was like oh wow cool that sounds great so like yeah let's do it and then um and then unfortunately we had the news that um that they couldn't play because their guitar player had passed away i was like wow that's so heavy so we couldn't see the show and then this guy Rocco, who used to work with Matt Sorum from two thousand ten, who was working with us with Sheree doing like content and stuff, vi- videos and stuff, and editing, and, and um, he 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 reached out and emailed me and was like, "Hey, um, would you be interested in playing with Scott Whalen?" Okay. And my buddy was like playing drums and played on the record and co-wrote some of that record, and I was like, "Dude, I'd love to do that gig. That's a great gig. You got there, man. Keep you know rocking."
0: One of the greatest voices of uh, all time. Oh my god!
2: And then and then um and um. So Rock was like, "Yeah, would you, you want to? Um, uh, would, would you be interested?" I was like, Oh "Man, it could be so kick-ass. Can I? Can I come meet the guys? You know, I'd love to meet the guys." And um, I get down there, and it's Joey Castillo from Queens of the Stone Age on drums. I'm like, "Oh, wow!" You know, and my and, and Tommy Black, who I'd met from the Mink days, like in 2006 or something, it was tripped to like all of a sudden I'd be in a room with him, like that many years later. And then, um, and then they Scott, and I'm like, and I just, I love this, I love all that STP stuff, and oh, like, yeah. I love, I, I'm more hip to a Velvet Revolver because um, that's more like my time era. Because in Australia, um, the first thing I ever heard about STP was uh, um, was uh, Unplugged and i you know at that point in my life i wasn't too interested in acoustic guitars like i want to watch an acoustic performance so much i wanted like see hendrix i want to see some feedback i want to see some fuzz i want to see a crazy stratocaster blues licks and like crazy shit so i was like yeah i wasn't that hip to stp at all really but i knew i knew vaseline and that was a great song great riffs great melodies great chords great structure that vaseline blew me away with this like the amount of 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 co- of substance in such a short span. Like you've got this great feel, you've got this great riff, you've got these great tones, these great chords, and there's like jazz sensibility there because he's like playing like a a major thirteen sharp eleven chord. The, uh, the opening r- chord, the top. Oh. Yeah, I was wondering what that chord was. The opening chord. It took me a minute to figure it out actually because it's like you know it's but I could hear it and I was just watching DeLeo he's he's doing this. So it's a major. It's a major thirteen sharp eleven. And it's spelled it's spelled like this. It's spelled it's spelled tonic, B, B flat tonic, on the on the on the E string, and then and then you got your second finger playing the major seven on the D, and then on you know the D string, which is you know an A note, and then you've got your you know your, your D note on the G string, and then you've got your pinky, which is your G note, which is your thirteen so you know your tonic your major 7 your major 3rd and your major 13 or your 6 whatever what's well, a 13 cause it's 13 notes higher than your tonic and then um your, your sharp 11 is, is cascading an open string uh, you know so there's the chord and um I was like wow what a cool chord
0: and then it busted it. and then
2: obviously on my Les Paul not the strap, but um you know and um I was fascinated with like the whole mixolydian melody that he had and like, you know, just like his lyrics and like but his-
0: this this rock song's like, you know, what it- That's <laughs> I knew that
2: song. I knew that it's Like
0: I was saying, those songs were yeah. like all over the radio in a way that Velvet Revolver never quite.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, so, like, I I guess, like, that was household music that I I wasn't really, like, I didn't even think, oh, well, that's just how, I just thought, oh, that's just the radio. You know, I didn't think, like, I wasn't, I didn't respect the radio for a long time. Right. Well, actually, no, I I did respect the old AM. The AM radio was playing Sam Cooke and Benny King in in Sydney, so I liked that. And Triple M would play, like, a lot of ACDC and Jimmy Barnes in Sydney, and that was cool. So, yeah, man, and then, um, so I went down there and did the audition. They They made me do, like, Vaseline and, um... Um, some wild about stuff, some great new riffs, like these kind of like Jack White kind of riffs and like um, Zeppelin kind of stuff. It's great, and then and we did an STP thing.
0: What were some of the wild about riffs um, like? And just you know, sample.
2: I feel like I should probably get my 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 list Paul out or something. Here we go. <laughs> I'll grab my Liz Paul Are you the man? It's right here.
0: Sorry, I'm of no use to you. No,
2: you get it. Oh wow. That's right. We had this huge sludge. We had a bit of a sludge fuzz thing going on with the Wild Bouts, which was cool because Scott wanted everything. I'd, I would like go more towards like the STP tones and he'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, make it fuzzier. Fuzz, go fuzz. Go more like Black Keys and like, um, you know, Jack White. I was like, oh, I love this. I love that. i like, cool. All right. Well, this, this band's the, for me then because I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you, how good that? You're in a band with a guy like that who has all those hits and they're like career. There's all these hit bands and he's like, you get to like play, like, play a different t- approach to it and like, you know, do what he wants to do. And he wants to do it. You have a similar idea of what things c- should be sounding like or how it should feel. So it was great. So he'd be like, he wanted everything fuzzy and sludgy. The fuzzier and more fucked up and sludger it sounded, the better. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you really you want it like that? It's like, yeah. And, um, I could I could dial that fuzzed thing in for you and I could yeah. show you white lightning. But I'll just show you like, you know, some of the Wild Bouts riffs was Jeremy Brown riffs, because he wrote them with Scott. And um, you know, like just like Zeppelin kind of stuff, like, <laughs> you know, just like that kind of big kind of to me that sounds like a Zeppelin. And like stuff like that And he'd do like a weird like And then the chorus is like You know You know like kind of more beatles And That's then um beautiful. You know And then and What else He had that Mozilla riff Which you need the, the um you need the big um, uh, bass micro synth, which uh, I had to give back because uh, everything went back to Scott's studio, and um, unfortunately, you know, when he passed away and everything. So that, yeah, that was that was sad. That um, fuzz
0: tone is great. Is that kind of that's the, not uh,
2: that's not the fuzz I was using, but I was just getting by with that. That's actually like more of my Hendrix fuzz, but I can show. What you is that fuzz? Fu- a sixty 69- nine. Yes. Is that a so that's a '69 yeah. full tone. Um, the original series, the bigger box housing thing yep. with um, the an original late '90s uh, full drive too. The Orange series, which I love. It's, it's my favorite over One of my favorite overdrives. But um, I, I'll, let me just dial okay. dial you the um, the kind of fuzz that we had because I was thinking like more like you know STP like maybe like you know <laughs> you know it's still like. <laughs> You know, it's still very kind of like you know, amp crunchy. It's not too fuzzy. Kept that for STP, for, uh, for like for 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 Vaseline. But for like a lot of the wild About stuff, we went for like this kind of fuzz. Scott wanted it really saturated and really fuzzy and really gnarly and dirty. So, so the fuzz I end up picking out, um, I my my reference for fuzz for for the wildabouts for Scott was was Nirvana fuzz. Or his rhythm sound, Kurt, Kurt's rhythm sound it, is fucking amazing <laughs> it's a wall of fuzz sound and it's like it sounds like metal but it's not metal and it's like it's like it's just this unique big wall of sound that he just managed to make work and it's all chords and it's power chords it's great so anyway the first thing i got was uh the watson it's called the watson classic electronics fuzz and it's um i think they're up in uh, the bay area actually and he's really cool, actually, the guy over there. I, I spoke to him on the tour, and he, was, he nearly came out to saw the show, but he couldn't make it. But um, the one I'm, I was using is the F- uh, FY6. Um, and basically what it is, it's probably like the best version of a Supervisor that you can get, a, re- a replica. Like, like all this like full-tone stuff. It's an amazing knockoff, like exact p- exact work because of the original Hendrix stuff. Like, you know, the Deja vibes, like got the photocell things in it which makes it sound authentic and it's got the germanium you know transistors in the 69 and stuff like that from the original fuzz faces which gave it all the characteristics and you know mike full is so so onto that and so so amazing at that stuff um and i feel like watson has done like an amazing job of like creating like like a really good version of of an old pedal that's you can take on the road it sounds just like it and it's reliable, and it's, it's not that expensive. It was only like I think it was only about two hundred fifty bucks, or two hundred bucks, or something, or three hundred bucks max. It might be two fifty. But it's that Pete Townsend like live guitar sound, which kind of got an octave in it, and it's but it's really like s- saturated and kind of spongy, and it's super heavy and super distorted, and it's got a mid a mid sound, and it's got a, a like a lo-fi kind of low mid, like a scooped mid sound. I'll plug that in for you real quick, and I'll show you what it sounds like. It's it's brutal. Awesome. Out. I mean everything about the wildabouts, you know, it had to be wild, you know. So it was, it was so wild. It was a wild it was a wild time. So okay, it's 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 so obnoxious and loud. It's like I had to tame it into my into my rig because the level, the dB level that it gives gives out is so like above the rest of the pack that it's like oh what's going on with your rig you got everything loud one thing's louder than this and that so that was a like a real thing like playing with those guys was like having a like a really controlled dialed level even sound obviously like you know when you when you're playing professionally like you you really get to know about your levels and like dialing pedals and stuff and and I had a lot of a lot more pedals to deal with on this on the gig with Scott so um I'd for many years, I'd gotten by of just like using my ear, just playing in the PA and playing in the thing. But because I was using this, this switching thing, I had to like be more um, on my levels. It was weird. I'd like, I never felt like I'd had to deal with this problem. And I had a real problem at first getting the levels right. And it's it just strange. But I got there in the end. But um, this is without, this is just the fuzz. It's so, so intense. And that's um, that's on the mid the midi kind of sounds. That's kind of like more like the, the Pete Townsend like uh, live at Leeds tone. If you listen to live at Leeds, you hear him. He uses a super fuzz. So that's that to me. That sounds more like the live at Leeds thing.
1: And it has that that octave
2: thing in it. You can hear that octave. It's not quite an octavia but it has a little bit of that ring modulation on, on octave underneath it. So that's kind of the midi. And this is the fucking like this is the the hair. This is the hairiness like. So I play meat plow. I will play meat plow like that. So anyway, and that was like, that was killing them because it's kind of bright and it's it's obnoxious and loud. So what I did was I had to tame it down, and I used my my overdrive as as like a buffer, like a master volume and i stuck my overdrive on the end of the chain of everything so everything was going through an overdrive but just a little bit just to keep it balanced and everything at the same level like a, like a boost kind of like a clean boost sort of thing like but keep it under control like compression so i had to put that in front of it so i could so i could tame the level so i had to stick that in front of it which was kind of a bummer actually but you know it worked it still sounded good that's super brutal that's really brutal it's really, it's really like top top rips your head off
1: but You can rip, you can rip it. I use
2: it more for like chords and stuff. Yeah, I was Sick. never, never really playing lead with that thing ever. Sounds awesome. So anyway, that was the, that was nasty. the wild about Spurs.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. So
2: yeah, and anyway,
0: what was it like when you first hung with Scott? What was he like? Um person?
2: Scott was Scott was um, when I first met Scott.
0: um, I mean, after the audition, what did he tell you?
2: Oh, okay, yeah. So check it out. So, so I went down and did the first one, and I did the four songs, and they maybe they maybe <laughs> learned another song in the in the session. I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't prepared to come and do that, but I, I was like, okay, okay I could do it. I, I'll do it if you want me to do it. So, they maybe learned like amethyst in the on the spot one lesson. Bass player showed me a few of the parts, and the guitar tech showed me a couple other parts or whatever. One lesson, one part thing, and then one went through, and that right. th- that's what I had to do. So I I don't know how I did it, but somehow I did it. I, I, did, I did it one pass. One th- one listen one thing. I was like, oh, so I think that might have helped me get the gig because I could learn the tunes fast and stuff like that. I came, so I was like, all right, cool, thanks so much, guys. um Cool, like talk to you soon, you know, whatever. And then yeah, and that was kind of it. I thought it was, I thought it was like, ah, oh, didn't you know, it didn't whatever, it didn't get it. And then um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll just check in with like Rocco a couple of days later. I thought, I'll just check in to see how did they find anyone, how they're doing, do they need to Maybe I can, maybe your, I can help. Watching them. your phone. I mean, I wasn't. I was kind of like I kind of just like forgot about it. Just like it went on with it I thought I nearly didn't call him. It's like, Maybe I, don't, maybe I won't call him But no I did So I did call him I was like hey man So how, how's it going Did you find anyone He goes man We haven't found anyone yet But you're definitely the closest <laughs> So nice. I was like oh man <laughs> Cool man thanks He goes do you want to come down For a callback So it was like He was like do you want It's like on oh, me Do you want to come down Like if you want it Come you know come get it I was like sure man Yeah so they're like Alright learn <laughs> Learn the rest of these tunes So they let me like Like threw me like another Like six tunes or something So by the time I got to the second audition I had about nine tunes down Like we could have done a gig And um, we played through like few, You know like three or four tunes. Like they stopped, and then they he went to the other room with Joey and, and um and Tommy, and then um go okay, come in. Okay, go, you got the gig. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, oh, what? I was like, really? That's sweet. I was like, cool, man. So that was cool, and then um I was stoked. You know, to be in a, to be in a band with Scott and Joey and you know and Tommy and that, and um, yeah, it was great. It, it was it was mm-hmm. such a shift because you know I'd done all that that rock stuff in the past, that, but I'd been through like a heavy phase of just being on the, in the club band for a while, and yeah. I was kind of like I did like a lot of like sessions in Vegas with the Sayers Club. We'd do, we'd, we'd drive yeah. down to Vegas every weekend, and um, I was kind of getting like you know I want to rock a bit more. I want to get out. I want to get out and play bigger stages and play in front of more people and be more like be more like a yeah. personality in a band where like people appreciate you for like as, as an artist, yeah, not so much just like a guitar player. Going in a gun in a house band so much, which is great, like to yeah. you know for your, for your bread or whatever. But I felt like that was more where my what I wanted to do. So um, so I was I was stoked because it's like oh great, we're going out on the road now. It's like cool. So like like literally like the next week we went out on the road and then and that was it. We played like yeah. straight into the monster music festivals like you know like uh, Carolina Rebellion, Welcome to Rockville, and all that stuff and like you know Rocklahoma and um, Rock in the Range and stuff, you know.
0: Badass. Yeah, I remember we were
2: like Manson and Corn and you know yeah. like Slayer and all these big heavy metal bands and like
0: it was great, man. That's cool. I mean, you're playing some pretty heavier stuff now. You're playing festivals again, but you're playing some heavy shit. And I was like, hell yes. I was like,
2: fuck yeah. I'm playing like these festivals, but I'm playing heavy shit and I'm playing guitar. Like, guitar, mm. guitar. Like, I'm not just up there playing a strumming acoustic yeah. or something like that. It's like, oh, wow, I'm fucking in a band with these badass motherfuckers playing rock, like heavy, hard rock shit. I was like, this is great. <laughs> and I loved it. And, um, you know, and, and and like back to the VR thing, I was more, of, I was more aware of uh, VR because when um when Contraband came out in like 2004 or whatever it was, 2005 or something like that, like back then I was like my buddies from high school I still hang uh, primary school I still hang with and we were in London at the time yeah. and it came out I remember him buying it in London listening to it in London and like just being all excited about it like him like talking about the tunes and like and we went I went out when Sorvie felt revolver when they came to Sydney so um, I saw Scott and I remember being blown away by Scott too then like just like what a great front man and like he put on this crazy wild like just this nutty show like it's just great and I uh, wow this is great you know such a heavyweight band behind him and I never would have thought I'd be in a band with him. Like 10 years oh, later yeah. so was
0: there any apprehension just because he by that point i mean he did have a reputation like you know from, oh yeah i mean like
2: he, he he had um he had he had had a quite a reputation i think since the early days yeah, yeah. like i think before or even yeah. or maybe around the same time as he got signed or probably before i don't know you know so it was one of those things he did um he'd already had that he had been dealing with for many years and um you know he was he was um it it, it was kind of it was hard it was hard to take at first you know because they're all they're all really hurt by um jeremy passing away and stuff you know yeah and i thought well you know like i mean that stuff that stuff will start happening if you don't look after yourself you know so i thought well i would have thought that that would have been like you know some kind of like revelation to maybe like look after yourself more or something so anyway but um
0: you would think and yeah. I and I had a
2: I had a chat to him about it and stuff like that and um I, you know, I did I did a, I did bring it up with him and um where, where did this conversation what, tell me that was this. before we went on stage at Carolina Rebellion I had a deep heart to heart serious conversation with Scott Well like about his life and his career and where he's heading in the green room or something yeah, on the bus and I was like, I was like, Dude, like you know, I said, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we went out and, blo- like, I think just the fact that we had had a chance to connect on a yeah. on a deeper level, what did he tell us you? Closer together. He's like, he goes, I, I've had a career for twenty years, and I don't think this is really going to change it. I was like, okay.
0: So was he like noticeably? Why uh, were you he, bringing he, this up to him at that moment?
2: Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he he you know, he had been, you know, he had been on the drink and stuff, and like, you know, yeah, and like, so you know. I just didn't want to like I felt I felt threatened for my life almost in a way because of what had already happened in the group and I didn't want to see anything more like that happening or be around it and it felt like quite a, it was a quite a traumatic experience for me, actually. To be honest, well, I can only imagine. You know. um, and especially how it, it ended is it it overly traumatic. I didn't expect that because 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 what happened was by the time um, we got back from that first tour, that first tour was was it was exciting, but it was rough at the same time because it was rough for them having to adjust to a new guy and the, the new dynamic and missing the co-writer who wrote the stuff and all that kind of stuff and their buddy and you know and I wasn't doing canon, I wasn't doing anything like that and like. You know, and um, I just you didn't. I just argue. didn't want to see him do that to himself. He told it to himself. I care about him, man. I f- I freaking yeah. cared about the guy to bring that up. You know, it, it actually brought us closer together a little bit. I think he thought, "What's this kid worrying about? Like, like, and why does he care?" Kind of thing. I kind of felt maybe, or maybe I don't know. You couldn't really read him as well. He's a deep cat. You must had a good connection. That's a hard thing to do to tell your band leader. Yeah, are mean. <laughs> i was i was that concerned about him and, and we were on that level and he and i would have thought okay fuck am i going home did i just get myself fired by saying all this shit and it wasn't like that at all scott was so compassionate and so like like i could he would listen he might not say anything but he i knew he would take things on board and i knew that he would he was the kind of guy he'd want you to like feel better he wants you to feel comfortable like he want he, he made me feel like i was his family in the end and um we came a long way and in such a short time and um yeah so um the first tour was, was was traumatic for me we had a bunch of stuff like the trailer of the wheel came off the bus and like you know like hey, i got left behind and all this kind of stuff we
0: were, we were texting too and you were like hitting hurricanes and floods i thought i thought i was
2: gonna die on this bus in uh, in a hurricane because um the bus driver pulled over from the tornado we're in, a, in the eye of a tornado tornado excuse me yeah, yeah. We're, we're in an eye of in an eye of a tornado pulled over i was scared out of my brain i've never been in a tornado before most people I'm like, haven't i'm gonna fucking die on this tour bus I'm like this is fucked, and like, and of course we didn't. And the the, the, the bus driver saved our lives <laughs> twice. <laughs> the to, the tow the tow bar of the trailer came off or something like that, and a wheel fell off. It was just that nightmare tour, you know. It's a, yeah. in a way, like in some ways, it was that nightmare tour, you know. And then, um, I figured out ways how to deal with it. I just thought, well, I better just like, you know, I, he's he's not going to change for me. I tried to help, I tried to bring it up and help him and try and like talk about it, and it's just it's just you know, and um
0: did you have some good hangs with him like oh yeah we know. had some
2: great we had some great hangs yeah we did we did um what kind of
0: stuff
1: would you I mean, in, do? in
2: the end it was like i just ended up accepting who he was who that's yeah. who he is you know and he's just gotta love him for who he is and like and don't you know i can just do to do, do me and he can do him and we, we can play music together it's about me mu- for me it's about music yeah. i took that gig because i love the tunes i love the music and, the, and i love joe castillo and like yeah. playing like on the stage playing hard rock oh, like fuck you.
0: Well I can't remember when the first
2: oh go ahead. So so the so the last one, the last two was like Yeah, well he probably he probably just he'll probably need a drink, you know, to to, to, to feel better because I realised like you know, I ended up going to Al Anon and stuff, you know, I went to a meeting, like to like to to, to, to help deal with people who are like that in the workplace when you're like a, yeah. when you're not an addict or whatever and you're not using like that or whatever and um i had to i i because I, I i wanted to keep doing the gig i didn't want to say i can't do this you know because of that i was like no nah, i can get through it so i went and got help and stuff like that and i and it, it made me realize you know to be more compassionate and like you know understanding about and less judgmental towards people and their you know their disease you know it's a disease so it's yeah. such a uh such a uh such a deep deep thing you know and like yeah um you know I figured out a way how to deal with it, um but yeah, he just wasn't well, man he should he should have been um should have been you know recovering and getting healthy and you well, know you we we're about we we're about to um do a new record and do another album cycle, and, and he was talk about getting back at possibly yeah. getting back with s t p after that after a new what like after an album cycle like he was like, all right, yeah. we'll do another album cycle with the wildabouts and then like and it was like oh, then maybe he'll get back with s t p and I was thinking at first I was like, oh okay, well, that's a bit weird, but but you know what if you if you like Get well, and you can be healthy, the best you can be, and you get back at STP That would be the fucking Power best. That you. could, that yeah. might, that could possibly be maybe the best thing for you. I don't know. I don't know if the dy- what their dynamic was like. I, I, I can only read what I see or, or watch right. videos, so I didn't actually know like, like the nitty gritty so much as maybe you know some of the other guys did. But um,
0: well, I would see videos of you on this tour, and you know, some shows would be just completely slamming.
1: <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: and totally killing and you guys were just completely melting faces and rocking the house and then there'd be other ones where obviously people are trending around yeah where he was uh he was singing the lyrics but he was kind of zoned out he was just uh on a different kind of a gear than the rest of you guys
2: the poor poor bugger was on like these um medic like prescribed medications and stuff for like for stuff and like you know that makes yeah. a little bit of booze and stuff you know that's what, what did it and then like you know we found out that overseas you know it wasn't doing too well the whole time so, yeah, kind of all so this, like,
0: was it tough to be on stage right then or no oh, there was times
2: that there was times in 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 like on stage where i felt like this is the worst gig i've ever done in my i've ever been out in my life is 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 her is horrible sometimes you know like to feel like that like
0: it's mixed emotions because you love the guy so much i and love the guy i love the talent. music
2: and it's like why is this happening right now like, but, the, but then, but like, but being like in the business and playing for a while, like, you, you know, you get through that stuff and like, you know, okay, your in-ears go out or something. You just just play through it. Keep going. You know, you just keep going. Yeah. Like we had, we had times when we had, we had, we had times where like um, <laughs> the mm. whole console, the whole like in-ear mixing console, monitor console would go out on the show and stuff. You know, he couldn't hear himself. And like, right. it was, we had so, we had chaos, yeah. a lot of chaos sometimes. I just figured, well, it's just part of it, you know, it's, it's the gig, it's, you know. Oh. like, But 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 coming from a mentality of being in the studio and being in the, in the house band or whatever, like, you've got to be on all the time. And, like, you know, but then, like, th- but then look at Led Zeppelin and Hendrix and, like, you know, some bands, like, sometimes they the way they weren't on. And yeah. it's only because the internet now that we can see everything under a microscope. Yeah. You you might not have heard or seen the bad Zeppelin or the bad the Hendrix shows, but we all know they existed and, we you know, you can kind yeah, of like that absolutely every you know what i mean so but like now everything's like perfect it's to track and it's gonna be perfect every time so like you know there's it's a bit of like okay I, I can understand both worlds but because like yeah. i'm you know i I listen to hendrix out of tune all the time i love it oh, yeah. I people
0: are afraid it. to take as many risks now yeah. because it's going to be on youtube tomorrow or i mean in one minute it'll yeah. be there and yeah well i know that it was incredibly tough for you what happened but now that you've had some perspective could you possibly look what was the last day like tell me what tell me take me through that day oh the
2: last day we were in um we had a day off in um medina in um uh in minnesota and um we had a day unfortunately that day had been cancelled or for some reason like that we'd just come from canada had a great show in canada Had an amazing show in, in new york before we went to canada in like long island it was great But the paramount was awesome and um we did this show in Canada. Came back, had a day off in Chicago, and then we drove to um to, to Minnesota. And Scott was like a late riser. He wouldn't get up till like you know. Well, sometimes you get up early. It depends. Like, it really just on where we were and like if we were in a hotel that day or a show day or a travel day, whatever. And
0: you guys were on the bus. Yeah,
2: so we're on the bus. So he liked the bus. Did he? he so was they, he a
0: bunk sleeper or did he take? He had his star. He his
2: star coach thing. So he had the, like the back room thing. So right. he had his double bed and his TV and his little bathroom yeah. and his his own little wardrobe. So he had the star coach thing, and we're all on the bunks, obviously. And um, but um, you know, th- he liked the bus. Like he's like. Yeah, he wanted to stay in the bus all the time. He didn't want to go to the hotels on the, oh. on the days off. He just wanted to stay in the bus. So anyway, yeah. um, so we're like, just he just wants to stay in the bus. You know, let him sleep. You know, Let him chill. And then he um, you knows a late riser or whatever. So we all went to the mall. We got up. It was snowing that day. It was, it was, it was, there was snow on the ground. It wasn't snowing, but there had, it had been snowing like the night before or something. And um, we we're at the mall across the road from Mall of America. So uh the whole crew, me, Joey an and Aaron, tour manager, Maxie, uh, uh uh you know, production manager and um monitor guy, and um guitar tech Mike and uh, uh merch guy Chris. And um we just, you know, we like, all right, let's we'll go have a day off. We'll go watch a movie or something, or go go check out the shops and like you know, so we went down all of America, I see the roller coasters, blah blah blah. Spent all the time there, had a band lunch and all that, just had a good time with the guys and then came back and then um, by that time, Tommy, I think, emerged and he missed the boat. I was like, "Dude, you should have come. You would have loved this." <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> we get back, and then it's, by then it's about four thirty, and the sun's rising. The sun was setting, and then um, I went, "Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go have a, go have a shower and get ready and just chill out for a bit, have a nap or something so inside of my day room in the hotel, and then." Um, uh, so I'm like having a shower, and I was, it's, it was weird. I, I put the Wildabouts record on in the in the room just while I'm having a shower. I just wanted yeah. to listen to it, just like just vibing in way. And, like, and um, wow. and and then like an hour or two later, I was like, oh, I'll call Mike, my, my guitar tech, and let's let's go get a bite. Let's go get something to eat. And like, because I'd be like yelping like all the like the organic places in every town. <laughs> And I was like that's my that's my thing on tour. Like, yeah. I'll get off the bus and like, okay, get on the Okay, where's the where's the healthy? Where's the where's the organic food? Where's the natural food? Where's the real food? <laughs> where's the real food? <laughs> so so I'll find all the real food in the towns. I drink the kombucha and drink all the like you know the, all the good stuff and all the organic ingredients and everything. And um, so I did that and I found Mike and was like let's go get some food. And as I come out, um, so it's about seven o'clock by then or something like that, seven thirty, and. um, I pull, I, I pull up an Uber and then we're driving out and we could drive past the bus. There's all these cop cars around. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what is this? Is this a drug bust or some big shit like that? Or what's going on here? Like, why are they at our bus? Like, are they like interrogating us because we're musicians in a bus? Like, yes, they sometimes do. And like, you know, all the crazy stuff that's been happening in America with like police and whatever, like I, who knows what was going on. And anyway, yeah, um, so... I'm like holy shit didn't get a good feeling then but like we're already like the the cars already pulled out past it and I'm thinking oh okay I get a text from the tour manager literally like 5 pff, 3 minutes later get the hell back now like like everybody back to the bus and like you know like oh okay all right it's not good something's up get back there get out of the, um get out of the um out of the Uber and um and there's Maxi, the production manager the sound guy monitor guy going um. Just come over here for a bit. Um. I'm like, is everything alright? Because man, because um, he goes, and I never forget, I never forget it. He's like, man, um, Scott, Scott's passed away on the bus. Oh I was God. like, what? He's like, damn, he's passed away on the bus. Like, what? He's, you serious? Like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, and that was it. From then on, I was just like blank, numbness, just like what shock like you know trauma all of it you know the whole thing tears emotions having to like talk to the cops like tell them about it and like being like in an emotional state it was rough and like what did they ask you oh just like just stuff like that like you know like you know what 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 have you guys been up to and like has he been doing like what's he been doing and, and i never saw scott do drugs so i never right. saw him do any drugs whether he like i'm you know it's obvious now that we all know that he was, and like he, he obviously wasn't doing it in front of everyone. But you know, I never saw him doing any drugs. So I think of you know, well, okay, well, as long as he can do the gig and like you know keep it together, it just shouldn't. I guess it's not a problem.
0: It just seemed like you. I'd drinking, seen him drinking yeah. a
2: lot. We all knew he was drinking. We knew he was on the prescription stuff too. So like we knew that was a terrible mix to start with already. So, but I mean, like you know, I mean, oh god, man. Anyway, so it's um, crazy. It was crazy, and. um so and uh, that was it. It's just like you know, like you're having the t- like having a great time, you know, having some great moments and some great experience, playing some great tunes, with some oh, yeah. amazing. You fl- guys were
0: having a great time. We're having a great time.
2: We had a great I time, and so then good. and then it's all over, you know. And then you are going home the next day, and you're three yeah, weeks out, three had three weeks left booked, we had the, all cancelled, and yeah, we're on sudden flights. We're on a flight the next morning. It's back to LA, and it, it was just like. And then I, you
0: still can't believe it. You sit on a plane. It's still
2: kind of fresh, man. Like it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's only just over a month since yeah. it's happened, and, yeah, it and like like I didn't s- talk to anyone for a month, man. I stayed at mm-hmm. home, and I didn't I didn't go home for Christmas, so I stayed at like you know in LA and stuff, and it was heavy stuff, man. And it's like it doesn't get any realer than that. And it was like oh my god, I'm no, I'm now involved in something that I'm going to deal with the rest of my life, and it's on a level of like Kirk Cobain, Lane Staley, Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, yeah. whole, that's not the kind of thing I want to be around. But it's like, that's like the like, that's like the reality of 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 adi- of, of of the disease of of addiction, you know, like of um of, of substance abuse. It's just like what it can do to people, and like, yeah, it's, oh, a, it's so it, hard. I, I encourage people to get help for their problems if they have got problems. If they can help, get help or whatever. Or like see a counselor or see someone. And sometimes it's too hard for people. It's too hard to bear or something. But um, mm. you know. I think that um, that it stems from like a a deep emotional thing that needs to get worked on ahead of time. And it's just some people can't, it's hard to do that.
0: What was your favorite S- memory of Scott,
2: like off the stage? Like anything you guys did or any? He had this thing, like we had this like on the first tour towards the end, he had this um character, here's a character. He had this like, uh he loved the, the Smeagol voice from, from Lord of the Rings so we did this legal voice and like Ty the guitar check at the time and they had this thing where they'd talk to each other like this speaker yeah. and like it's this funny thing they just talk to That's each other clever. like this weird like speak kind of thing and he'd like you know crack him up Yeah, he'd crack <laughs> up and shit like that and like another time um, uh, what was another thing um, like I like have a catchphrase like, a, like I'll go hey doggy what's up doggy <laughs> or something like that yeah. and his like his stepson was like why does Nick say that all the time and then he went he goes oh met a wolf he was like um he's which his he stepson um was like uh he'd say the dog no hey man <laughs> to the dog <laughs> like it's the house dog so saying hey doggy what's up he's Like, the yeah. man, like reversing <laughs> right. it like like preso- instead <laughs> of personifying you know, the dog like opposite is funny so you know just yeah, stuff like that and like public. you know <laughs> like um i want to hang with him like i tried to hang with him like outside the band like i want to try and get surfing with him and stuff and like I'd be like, before we went out in the last tour, I was like, hey, man, if you want to hang before you go out, I'm around. I'd love to hang or something. You know, just like, yeah. you know, just like be like bros or something, you know? So, anyway,
0: yeah, um, it's, it's one of those things, man. It's yeah, irreversible. I mean, the irreversibility of it is like, there's no rewind.
2: I mean, we knew, it, we knew like he wasn't well, and um, we, and we, but 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 it was weird because he did like a killer. Sometimes he just did this amazing show, and then sometimes it wasn't great. But most of the time, it was it was he was pretty he was pretty fucking play play good still. And um, but I but then again, like I didn't know what to rep- compare him from from the old days because I didn't know like, STP as well. You know, like the other people would like. Yeah. So I didn't know, but to me it was good and like he was he was like getting better and better again like he he was we started to find our road legs again a lot and then it was heading towards a situation where it was like all right, we're riding a new record in january get your, he was like get your, get your chops up boy let's do this." it was like oh. oh man so you know it was like we had future ahead of us and everything and so but um oh. yeah man
0: I have no doubt that he had a great friend in you, a good oh, person man. to have on, on it was the very
2: process. tough replacing Jeremy though I must yeah. admit it was very tough. He he was very uh, torn up about that.
0: Yeah, he's torn up about that, and you're just barely getting used to everyone. The dynamic,
2: new family. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, so um,
0: you stepped into the tornado, all
2: right? It was a tornado. It was a whirlwind thing, and and uh, you know, it was what an experience to have because you know, like that's a unique experience of a lifetime, and I knew it was going to be something special. I just knew it was, and that's why I was interested in it, and you know, so um. Well,
0: you're obviously already working some cool shit again. <laughs> well, then
2: yeah, then Cody, cal- come Cody called me again this week, like last week. I was like, I'd love to go to Chili with you. Of course, yeah. I'd love to go to Chile. I've never been to Chili. so right. you know, and then like it's such a different vibe. So you know, it's um, peeps, people who may or may not know about my music thing or whatever. Like, it's like I'm not really in a box of like a rock box or a metal box or a jazz box. I don't know. It's like. I like electronic music, and I like African music, and I like rock and roll, and I like you know some some punk stuff. And I like you know certain things. I love jazz, you know. So it's like, well, what is he? I don't know. You like music? I like music. Yeah, you know. So wow. So, anyway, so
0: thanks for uh, sharing us all that yeah, stuff. Man.
2: So uh, I
0: know wow, what, gone, a, what a
2: you, time! <laughs> I had gone. a great time. Thanks, man. <laughs> it's been
0: fantastic. Happy you've gone so long, and yeah. you got to get on that plane tomorrow for who knows how long. What time is it? Man? Any <laughs> stopovers? <laughs> Are you going straight there? It's 11:30 uh, at night now.
2: Oh wow, we did a good yeah. one geez you got a lot Um, yeah cool man Um, yeah I gotta get on the plane tomorrow so wow that was a great time
0: dude thank you so much for doing it pleasure Okay, in case you're wondering, that beautiful song that we faded out on is called Circles. It's by Scott Wyland and the Wildabouts, in case you don't have his Blaster record. Really cool song. I think that features Jeremy Brown on a lot of those guitar parts. Nick, of course, performed that song with Scott Wyland. in the whirlwind, seven or eight months that he was Scott's lead guitarist. Let's do some quick thank yous and skedaddle. What do you say? Thank you, Nick, so much for doing the show. If you want to keep up with Nick, probably head over to twitter it's a good place to keep up with his crazy antics just at nick maybury on twitter it's nick m-a-y-b-u-r-y on twitter or nick maybes like the word maybe with an s on instagram thank you zoom for the Ape 6 recorder that i used to record nick thanks to guitar player magazine for supporting this podcast you know what to do Keep it alive till you're at least 95.